What if the iCarly like theme song just started playing? You guys remember iCarly? I mean, I know iCarly, but I don't. I never ever knew they had, had a theme song. It, but I think the start of that show, or like the intro, was the main character, like their cameraman, going, "All right, three, two, one, go," and then like the theme song would start playing. Do they do that in the reboot that they just did on uh, Paramount Plus? I think they do. I'm, I'm not too certain, but I'm pretty sure they did. Does she have a podcast in the reboot? That would feel very relevant to this era. Or is she still doing, like, webcam? I, no, yeah, she's still doing, like, live streams. Mm. Oh, live oh, oh, I guess very, it's always live streams. Yeah, very ahead of its... I mean, it was always live streams at the That's original. True. Very ahead of its time. Very much so. Lil did it... True origin story of Twitch right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> iCarly. Not just in TV, as most people think. It was actually iCarly. Why didn't you watch it, Jason? Yeah. It literally seems right up your alley. I don't know, actually. I think I was a little too old. Um, like I, I did like all that when I was a little younger and I was super into that and like some of the spinoff shows of that, like Keenan all and Kel. All that what? Well, the show, all that, uh, and Keenan and Kel, but like I, our, I Carly was like half a decade later, a little out of my wheelhouse, a little out of my age range, I guess. Yeah. I think that was a little, a little, uh, well, were you, I don't know, because I think, I think we've talked about this, but were you had Nickelodeon people, Disney people, or Cartoon Network? People? I mean, I had roommates in college that watched iCarly and a couple of those other shows. I moved on and to TRL. And they're your age, point, if, I think. Um, well, I, I guess those couple months made a difference in age difference. So or just where your attention. I mean, I, I pivoted hard to like Pokemon for a while. Um, to answer your question, Kevin, first of all, should we say who what? we are? <laughs> we, to answer your question, Kevin, uh, as I said, first of all, should we say who we are? I'm Jason. Hi. He's... I was going to get to it, oh, but okay. okay. It's not like I'm hosting or anything. <laughs> Sorry. You can go ahead. Go go ahead. You could you could take take the week. Oh, really? Um. Okay. Go for it. Hi. Well, really welcome to 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 Randomer Nintendo. Uh, number twenty one. I'm Jason. Um, next to me is Kevin somewhere. Yo. And next to me, previous host of this episode. <laughs> and next to me somewhere else is someone who is never host of this episode. Angel. Hello. Um, but to answer your question, Ken, from a minute ago, a Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network kid, a little of both. I like Cartoon Cartoon Fries a lot. I like like that block of shows, you know, Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Lab, all that. But I also liked a lot of the live action Nick stuff. Disney Channel is probably, except for reruns of Growing Pains randomly, uh, Disney Channel is probably the least of the three that I watch. What about you guys? Uh, I was uh, very much a, uh, what's it called? I was very much a Disney Channel kid. What was your go-to show? Uh, everything pretty much. I think the the biggest one was probably like Lizzie McGuire. Okay, yeah. Were you into Even Stevens before Shia became? I was into Even Stevens, and then Shia went on to all sorts of things, and then not yeah, so many things. What about you, Angel? What, what what was your what was your station of choice? TV channel choice? Mm, like growing up, or in like in general? Yeah, growing up. Uh, like what were you when you were a kid? Did you turn on Cartoon Network first, Nickelodeon first, Disney first? Well, the locals, like Kids WB or it Fox was or something? Always, yeah, it was always Channel 5 or Channel 11. You know, Fox Kids or or whatever the Channel 5 block was called. Um, I actually have no idea because as a child, I did not have the same Channel 11 as you because I didn't live here. So. Yeah, I mean, but wherever, <laughs> you know, Pokemon and oh, Wonder Kids Brother. WB. Kids Bat WB. Kids WB. Yeah, the WB stuff. Those two were the main ones. When we did do anything cable-related, I guess it was mainly Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, but it was really just the animated stuff. Like, if it was live action, we 100% ignored it. All that, maybe sometimes, every once in a while. But for the most part, yeah. Um, be it Disney, Nick, or maybe a Disney or Nick, we didn't really watch anything live action. 
Well, so no Even Stevens, no uh, Amanda Bynes show. We were aware of them, but didn't watch anything. Not that we're sponsored by the fine folks at Max, formerly HBO Max, but actually, I don't know if it's Max themselves, but little tidbits and talk about these class channels. Apparently, Cartoon Network from like 6 to 8 p.m. starting in August will be doing what they call our checkered past and will be running back all the cartoons when we were kids, like the Cartoon Cartoon Friday block. So all the like, you know, Dexter's Lab, uh, Powerpuff Girl, like all that is going to be Cow and Chicken is all going to be like back nightly on Cartoon Network soon, which is kind of cool, actually. I haven't watched live TV in probably well over 10 years. I do appointment viewing, but yeah, I don't often, unless it's like a live event, like an award show or something, I don't usually watch TV TV. That's that's actually a really good point. Do you still, Angel? Mm, no, definitely not. Just, you know, on stuff online at nighttime. Right. <laughs> yeah. we're, all, we're all cord cutters here, I guess. Um, Is that what they're called? Yeah, people that don't have, like, a KL subscription or don't use traditional TV, yeah. Or do, like, linear TV viewing on a regular basis. Yep. Um, we are the bane of every cable executive, essentially. Uh, but we also... Uh, wait, Kevin, am I really hosting this? Do you want to take it back? What's what? No, no, we don't. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to say, we also haven't talked to one another on a recording in quite a while, and I feel like a lot has happened. Um, we had... Multiple major movies that came out. We had multiple major game events that occurred. Um, and I feel I, I feel like we collectively came to the decision that there's no easy way to structure this episode until Kevin had a great idea. So I'm going to kick it back to you, Kevin, who was hosting. Because you are the man with the wheel, so to speak. Uh, yeah, we did this a while ago. We just had way too much to talk about. Uh, we did... What was it called? Uh... I think we just called it roulette we did, at the uh, time. Oh, we, yeah, we just we just spoke the wheel with uh, all the topics that we had because it's been a while since we recorded an episode about a year and some change at this point. A year, a year. A month <laughs> it's been a month. We're not that man. Can you imagine if we had to recap a whole year? Ooh, um, yeah, that'd be bad. But yeah, yeah, I guess we could call it the ran- randomer roulette now that our name has randomer. Oh, actually, you know what's fitting? This is episode twenty-one. Roulette go. gambling. We're of legal age to gamble. The show can gamble now, so we have a roulette wheel. It makes sense. Look at that. How serendipitous. Gamble responsibly, folks. Yes, always gamble responsibly. And should you feel you have an addiction, there are helplines you can call. But hopefully, you're not taking bets on what's on this wheel because I don't even know how you would bet because you don't know what's on the list. But we do. Um, do we want to just jump in? Should yeah, we? like where you say. And then, like, don't be discouraged. Um, you know, the statistic, 99% of people who stop gambling right before they hit it, they, they stop gambling right before they hit a big sub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't do that one more, that one more pull. Or maybe, or maybe do, do it. No, <laughs> we do not. We do not condone such. such <laughs> just make that last one your last one. Until you yeah. have another yeah, last one. Yeah, just make one. that one your last one. Until there's one. another yeah. last one. Yeah. What is your gambling game a- of choice? Before we Before we. <laughs> Before we spin the wheel, do you guys have a gam- a vice of choice in the gambling world? Do you have a particular game, a particular thing that if you were to gamble and hopefully not form an addiction, you would go, you would gravitate towards? I guess it would be roulette. I don't, oh, how, I don't have. I mean, I don't currently have one, but I guess if it were to be one, I could see that one being it. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I guess unless you're just considering like any game where you say the words just one more. I mean, I guess at one point it <laughs> definitely was Hearthstone. Um, okay, well, that's not, that's it. not, well, okay, sure. You put money into that, into Booster Pack. Okay, yeah. Well, it's not as it for me. I mean, it's also, I mean, you can also argue I'm like 
betting more time on it, thinking that that time is going to be invested into climbing ranks when sometimes I end up at a lower I'm rank. I'm just going to point out, if, if you go to a Vegas tycoon and you're like, listen, my, my gambling vice is Hearthstone because I bet my time, he would be like, that, that's not that's not gambling. There's no, you're not betting money, you're betting time. <laughs> but I see. Hey, which is straight up life. Fair. I, I will say, if I had to pick one, there is in Resort World in Vegas, there is a crane game. Like like when you were a kid, like the crane game with the with the stuffed animals or whatever. But instead of it being stuffed animals, they are plastic balls with fake cash in them. But then when it drops down, you get real cash. So that's dangerous. But I did win five dollars on it. So that's my that that's my uh, never mind poker. It's all about that one crane game machine smack in the middle of casino with nothing around it. Anyway, Damn. anyway, um, Kevin, do you want to spin the wheel? Should we should we launch into our multitude of topics here? Burn- Ranging from shows to movies to games to VR headsets that project your eyes through them. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's go ahead. It's uh, everybody at the same time. We have to say spin, spin that. that wheel. Spin that like, wheel or spin like, the spin wheel? Spin that, that wheel. wheel. Okay. Spin that yeah. wheel. Yeah. Oh, all right. Now on, on three, right? Yep. One, two, three. Spin, spin that, that wheel. wheel. Wow, we're that, not That's going to be a nightmare to synchronize. <laughs> Good luck, Kevin. <laughs> all right. Oh, we forgot to get a wheel sound. we are effect. landing first on Apple Vision Pro. What? What? The w- Apple Vision Pro. Oh, I thought the wheel. I, I didn't. I thought the wheel sucked you in. You just kind of your sound warped. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was like the wheel became a black hole, and it, it's really what's destroying us all. Much like gambling, if you let the addiction get to you, so don't get addicted. Uh, Apple Vision Pro. That's what came up first. Yeah. Okay. I guess we're going all the way back in time here. So, yeah. Who watched that Apple presentation for WWDC? In uh, what first week of June, a couple weeks ago, no, I watched I parts of the it. Referee, don't point your finger at me. You know that song, that Bob Dylan song. Mm, I'm gonna don't say yes, Moore. so you don't feel bad. Yes, but no. I think the lyrics go something like that. But, no, but you I have to sing it. it like Bob Dylan. You have to do the like thing, like you can't just. Oh yeah, no, you no, can't no, just can't. sing it like normal. But okay, so you did. But do you know about the Vision Pro at all? Have you seen anything about it? Oh, uh, I've only seen the meme photos of it. Okay, so. Those are pretty accurate. Um, I kind of want to talk about because we, you know, as a collective of tech enthusiast gamers who have talked about PlayStation VR and things like this on the show before, it's very interesting to watch Apple do a press conference. They're like, oh, here's the new iOS. And like, oh, you can make a custom like profile for when you call someone. And like, here's the watch. All the apps that have black backgrounds have colors. Check that out. And also over here, we have the most dystopian thing in the world you've ever seen because we're going to put a helmet on your face but then we're going to show your eyes through the helmet and then other people can see your eyes but we're going to cloud them when you're doing stuff and the guy looks slightly faded and it's going to be really creepy and you're going to stand two feet from your child when it's their birthday and they're eating cake and you're going to take a picture using your virtual eyes with your helmet and that's going to be a totally normal thing and it was very hard to swallow that pill when I was watching that presentation so I guess for those who haven't that are listening who somehow don't know about this uh, Apple as they tend to do is entering the AR VR headset game later than others, but much more polished than others. So they have what all impressions are saying is the nicest in headset screen you'll ever see or that you've seen to date. It's like 4K for each eye. It has like a really nice UI. It has hand tracking that works super well. There's like a, like nine cameras on this thing or something. But you just kind of like just – you can have your hands at your side, just pinch to activate things. You can just kind of swipe to scroll and it has eye tracking. And technology-wise, it's, you know, what Apple does. They come in late, but they're they're killing it. 
what's interesting to me is they think they solve the problem of you're in a headset and you can't interact with the real world and you're not going to wear a headset all the time by addressing two things. One is there's pass-through on it. So – and this is – the MetaQuest does as well but at a lower resolution. But basically you have a live video feed of what's going on beyond you. And Apple's like, oh, well, you should be able to adjust how much of the real world you want to see. There's a little digital crown like on your watch, on your Apple watch if you have one, that if you turn will make more or less of the reality around you be visible. So like you could turn it down and like it will literally fade away at the side. You could like turn it up and it will like fade back in. If someone comes in to talk to you, this is a little kind of cool tech but kind of creepy. If someone comes in to talk to you, they'll like – it will sense there's a real person in front of you and they'll like literally interrupt your virtual space. So it will like cut them – it will be like a kind of – I want to call it like a blob, but there'll be like a aura around this person who comes in with a little hint of the world around them, kind of interrupting whatever you're doing. A lot of stuff is transparent. So that's one way to kind of like keep you connected to the real world. But then there's this eye thing, and I've just been watching the new season of Black Mirror, which was, you know, kind of like a couple weeks after this, and it's just like the dystopian vibes of this eye thing. So, yeah, if you want someone to know what you're doing, they're having it where – your eyes are shown to the outside person using cameras that are tracking your eyes inside the helmet and they're like kind of faded out like the screen's kind of set back so it almost looks like they're really your eyes but then if you're doing something in vr um they'll put like kind of siri colorful like cloud animation on top of it and it'll look like you're like basically tripping on mushrooms or something inside your little helmet to the person outside it but you're like in your own little world and it signals to them hey this person like shouldn't be interrupted and they just carry on and it feels like both a really clever solution to a very common issue with VR headsets, like how you how you get people to want to wear these things for a lot. Like if anyone's listened to the podcast back when we were around Nintendo, one of the things I think we talked about a lot was like if you ever want to have VR really succeed and be like a mainstream thing, it needs to be light. It needs to be something that isn't going to bother you on your head. And it needs to let you still get your snacks, still check your phone, still do whatever. Like you need to be able to interact beyond it. You need to have social experiences and this kind of does that in the most like over-engineered, crazy way. And it's just really – it's really interesting to watch the demo of it and them showing like how, you know, they're they're addressing these pain points that have existed. And they're addressing them in very Apple ways by being like, well, we're just going to cram all sorts of crazy technology that you haven't really used in this way into this device. But it's just – it's so – there was – it just keeps popping in my head, this clip. And I know I already evoked it of like – or referenced it. Like there's a guy – celebrating his kid's birthday and he wants to get a picture of his kid on the floor with the cake and he's wearing the headset and he wants a 3D picture. So what does he do? He like comes into the kid's face with this headset on with his fake eyes beaming through and just like is like staring at him like having this human moment with this child. But it's not really a human moment because the kid's watching a screen projection of his dad's eyes on a thing on his face. And it's just like, I don't know. It's usually I see an Apple product and sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's right for me. But that moment I was like, are we... Are we going – is technology going too far? Are we like – is this the beginning of the end for society, for humanity? Like it was just so weird to see. I don't know. Like I, I mean what you – I mean Kevin, you said you saw me and Angel. You kind of – what do you guys make of this thing? Does it make sense to you? Does it seem a little like proof of concept that may in the future they scale down so you're not having a screen on your face or just like a normal pair of glasses one day and this is just the first pass? Like what do you guys make of this thing, memes or otherwise? I quite literally only saw the beads, so I have no idea about any of it except for what you just said. Well, and fair enough. I would have to see it. 
to truly understand it. So I'm going to reserve judgment. Fair enough. Fair enough. That to your point, I really do want to try that. Like I am so excited to try this thing, not buy this thing, but try. like go to an Apple store at launch, put it on, go through Apple's little control demo, go to some friend who maybe owns one for some reason, put it on, mess with it. But I don't know why I would buy one at this stage because it's also here's something. It's three thousand five hundred dollars. So there's also that. And Don't change for Jason right now. No, I wish. No. Um, but yeah, it's it's very it's very expensive. And it's, and the biggest use case I, that they've been able to pitch is, hey, you know how on your Mac you can have multiple windows? What if those windows could be all around you? And hey, do you like watching TV? What if you can grab the corner of your TV and just like expand it bigger and now you have like a virtual IMAX in front of you? Which is kind of cool, but I don't know if it's $3,500. You can only watch by yourself. You can't, like, have a social viewing of a movie with someone next to you unless they have a headset, too. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of weird things. But conceptually, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Andrew, what do you, what do you think of it? Well, this sounds like a fun piece of tech. But, yeah, I mean, I just really want to try it just to see right. how crisp that screen is claimed to be. Um, I watched a video. What's his name? Marquise Brown, Marquise mm. Brown, uh, yeah, uh, MK, um, MKBHD, MKBHD, yeah. and they were talking about how I guess how heavy it is, just because it's made of metal or aluminum or something, and I guess that part kind of has me worried because headsets after a while, and I do like you know I've had the PlayStation VR two and the PlayStation VR, mm-hmm. so I'm used to like using them for a long time, but. Even those, like, get heavy after a while. So I can only imagine what one that is heavy from the get-go would right. be like. But, it, you know, the potential for having, like, a multi-screen setup, even, you know, even if it's, like, for just basic computing. Because I'm like, oh, I kind of like having my MacBook Pro not even as, like, a heavy-use computer. just kind of, like, as my, I don't know, miscellaneous laptop. It's, like, now somewhere between my PC and my iPad. Like, I almost don't necessarily need it, but it's sometimes nice to have... But so I could, if I didn't have this, you know, MacBook Pro, I could potentially see something like this, sure. like existing as my in between. But yeah, I don't know. Definitely curious where this goes. It's yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like there are a few times, once in a while, Apple always likes to be, oh, we're inventing a new product category. You know, the iPad, it's tablets anyway. Obviously, the iPhone was a new type of phone. The watch, like. The iPad, generally speaking, I feel like Apple introduces something and takes two or three generations to kind of figure out what it's useful for. Like the phone being the exception, like when the watch came out, they're like, it's everything your phone does on your wrist. And it took them a few generations to be like, okay, it's about fitness. It's about like quick glanceability. It's about like there was a bunch of apps you get on the watch that you don't literally don't exist on the watch anymore. Like companies are just like Instagram was on the watch at launch and now isn't because it's like who's scrolling through Instagram on their wrist. Like, and I feel like that ultimately is kind them maybe where the vision pro is going because like to your point there are some use cases where it makes sense they showed someone on an airplane and like being able to have like that escape on the plane to like just go watch a movie at like this huge screen and just kind of be zoned in on that and fade out the plane and fade out the noise of the plane and you know it has like its own little sound system it has like it it, it there are cases where this thing is kind of cool it just i don't know i feel like the whole and I feel like this is true of PlayStation VR as well. They're all kind of chasing something that isn't really pr- like it feels like everyone's. It feels like all these companies are scrambling to make these headsets, 
because they need to get their like they need to draw their line and get their feet like foot in the door or whatever so they could have developers want to sign up to work on their platform so when this technology gets to the point that it doesn't need to be a heavy headset and can be a pair of glasses or whatever that they have their ecosystems ready like it feels like none of this has been proven as like a strong market even the meta quest stuff is like you know they sold 20 million that's nothing to scoff at but like they did they made a pro and it kind of bombed uh, that was, I think, 1500 Um, So, like, you know, everyone's kind of just like, this will be the future because we're going to say it's the future. And we need to make sure we all have the thing ready for the future. So then when the future arrives, we have our ecosystem already in place. But no one knows if that future is going to arrive in, like, a mass market way. And that's what's kind of interesting is, like, a lot of Apple products ultimately do exist to serve to solve a problem. iPhone's too small. There's an iPad. Want notifications without staring at your phone all day? There's your watch. Like, this one, I guess it's do you want what you do on your Mac? in your TV, but bigger and more in your face. Like, it just seems kind of not a drift, but it seems like it's a solution looking for, or it's an answer looking for a question while the others kind of answer an existing question, even if they were broad brushstrokes and they had to scale it down. Like this one, are there that many people that are like, I wish I had an IMAX screen in my house that I could only watch by myself? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a weird, and, and they're certainly putting all their like best efforts into it. I mean, if you look at how this thing came together, you could see like, the roots and the and the traces of past procs and stuff, Apple's, you know, a lot of the AR stuff they do, they could do on your phone, even little things like, you know, change the background of a picture or something like all that fit, works into how like they figure out when people are in the environment and if they come in front of your UI or not on the screen or like the way that's built, like they use a digital crown from the watch to help with the weight that you point out, Angel. They use um, a very similar mesh to what the AirPod Maxes have, which is quite comfortable. Um, like they, you could see literally all the bits and pieces of what Apple's been doing for the last five, six, seven, ten years kind of coalescing around this thing and this is like kind of like the hodgepodge of it all like the amalgamation of all their efforts but it's just i don't yeah i'll be really interested to see where it goes this is the first time even with the ipad it's like oh i remember when i came out it's like oh this is just a big phone but like you know people are gonna want to like use it instead of their tiny phone especially when the phones back then were like three and a half inch screens uh and the watch is like oh you know i bought i Bought a watch not fully knowing why I bought it. I got it like day one and I was just like, this is kind of cool, but like it's nice to not to pull my phone out of my pocket. This I have yet to wrap my head around what it does for me. But maybe that's something that in the next few years Apple will figure out. But it's definitely, it's an interesting, this is the moment where like if VR and AR headsets go mainstream, Apple's marketing around it is what's going to do it. Sorry, PlayStation VR, but realistically, Apple's the thing that will push it mainstream. I saw some stat that VR headsets are down like 70% sales year over year or something like that. So PlayStation VR is not really moving the needle, but Apple has the clout, for better or worse, to move that needle. So if it were to ever take off, this this thing is the moment. But I don't know. I don't know if it will take off. That that will be the, the big question. But anyway, yeah, that's my ramblings about the Vision Pro. I saw it's a very interesting piece of tech. It's the most futuristic thing Apple's probably announced in a long time. Even the watch is just, oh, it's your phone, but on your wrist. Like this is this is a leap. So it'll be interesting. <laughs> be interesting to see where it goes but definitely kind of a peek at the future or a future that may or may not pan out i don't know maybe yeah so pretty cool yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely it's cool tech, for sure yeah but anyway that was my ramble about that should we cool 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 yeah should we spin that wheel? yeah the inevitable yeah, leveraging of comic-con events i guess that's where it will be good that's where vr is great I guess. that is where vr is great if you're in a place where it's like set up for it vr arcades like dreamscape arcades you know that's where this stuff shines because it's like a compartmentalized. Like you do it for like 20 minutes, you move on. It's like an experience. You come and go like a theme park ride. Yeah. The question is, will home use catch up to it? If not, I could see this thing totally being a cool Comic-Con thing. Yeah. 100%. 
Anyway, well, alrighty, should, we, <laughs> should we spin? Should we spin um, the wheel again? Oh, uh, three, one, two, three. Spin, spin that, that wheel. wheel. How how That's, is Angel always so far behind? It's, it's, you it's never, never going to be synchronized. Like we're pretty synced up. Really? It sounded like, like Kevin and I were on point. Really? I felt like you were really far behind. So this is what latency is, guys. We just figured it out. <laughs> this is what huh. the gamers mean when they say about latency. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, anyways, it landed on our random Nintendo biannual outing. Mm. Who wants to tell the tale of our field trips that we now do? I just talked a lot, so I'm good with taking a break and letting you guys have the floor. Uh, well, damn, how long ago was it that we did this? Uh, Memorial Day. Two years. Memorial Day, so two and a half weeks, three weeks. Yeah, it feels like it. No, so uh, about two, whenever Fast 10 releases went, when it happened. But basically... The boys got together to go see Fast 10, the latest entry in the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, was it a mistake? Possibly. <laughs> I don't know how we uh, we uh, we saw that movie and didn't look back. Uh, I, I will say. That was a movie. I, it was a movie. That's what I was going to say. It whelmed. It did not overwhelm. It did not underwhelm. It whelmed. I feel like they uh, didn't go as ridiculous as they should have. Uh, yeah, I was disappointed as far as like the over the topness. It felt a little more grounded than I was expecting, just from what I've heard happened in the other movies and from what I saw in eight. But yeah, yeah. So it was okay. Uh, it wasn't not even close to being the best uh, in the series. That still uh, goes to what's the what's the name of that movie? Uh, uh, fast. Fast, uh, blah, 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 blah. Is this a quiz to make sure I answer correctly? Fast five. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say fast five. I was like, which this is this is technically a direct sequel to. And yeah, and and you know it's a direct five sequel because in the first ten minutes of the movie, half the footage is from Fast Five. They intermix it with new footage, so you're literally rewatching the climax of Fast Five to start this movie. Which yeah, which oh, was... full spoilers on this movie. Assuming we do full spoilers, but anyways, uh, we all went to Jason's Neck of the Woods. Indeed, to. Not doxing if we call it Culver City, right? It, it, it was – no, it's fine. It wasn't Culver City, so you wouldn't be doxing me. It was Century City. Century uh, City. Yeah, which, which just this weekend – City. You guys on the broader internet may have recently heard Century City name dropped a few times because the U.S. Open uh, golf tournament just took place like right here. They, it was chaos. <laughs> there were, there was traffic and stuff everywhere. But yeah, so uh, it's been it's – been, Century City has been on TV lately, yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so we went to his neck of the woods. We picked him up. He, he lives right by the theater that we were staying at. Um, Won't say which direction because then we'd be doxing. But I'm in a radius of this theater, yes. <laughs> super close to that theater. I live uh, in it. My apartment's actually in uh, Cinema 2, which is <laughs> next so, so to the lesson Amos. was learned as far as like, yeah, we should just walk as opposed to like, you know, drive and then come back. and then. Well, yeah. so I had – I have a – and I still do have a really bad lower back um, right now. So that kind of was the well. That was the reason that I decided to um, to drive to drive uh, because yeah, my my back was just destroying me. Uh, so I picked up the boys, went to the parking lot. Oh, this was Memorial Day, right? Yeah, it's Memorial Day. So the, the lot was yeah, a little made, a little Memorial madness. Day. It's always madness at that mall, but it's a little extra madness. Yeah. Um. So that was fun, <laughs> and there was absolutely no parking. I must have looked for parking for about. <sighs> like 25 Give or minutes. Take 25 minutes. I dropped these guys off, said, hey, boys, go uh, go take care of business because I'm going to be here a while. 
And just for those wondering, uh, take care of businessmen, buy movie tickets, and then eat a uh, Auntie Annie's pretzel. So important business. Very important business. Yes. Um, finally decided to just drive to Jason's house. And then uh, walk back. Yeah. And then walk back to the theater. It's that close, ladies and gentlemen, uh, which I really, really I feel appreciate. like we're like a second away from just reciting my address on this podcast. <laughs> so everyone, I live at really want now. Um, yeah, it's very close. And I will say, uh, I might be slightly yeah, biased. But... The reason the mall is so crowded, it might be one of the, if not the best mall in L.A. So just saying. Okay, well, don't toot your whore too much. Um, too late. But yeah, dude. dude. <laughs> Actually, the uh, some will say the ramen was just like the movie. Um, okay. Yeah, like I like I was satisfied in both, but I wasn't like, oh my god, that well, was, well, let, that let, was amazing. Let's set the the scene here because this ramen isn't just like we got ramen. Like it was like Kevin. What's the backstory of this place? Like, it's the only location outside Japan or something like that. Like what? What is it? No, there's a there's a couple locations oh, okay. uh, outside. But it is Japan a Japanese it, but... chain specifically, not like an American ramen place. Correct. Um. That was all right, I guess. We saw we went right right after the movie. Um, and man, if we had a podcast we right. mic when we were standing in line for this place, because there was a line for the OK Ramen, you guys would have heard all our rankings of every Fast movie from the first to the tenth. But unfortunately, it's just a fleeting moment in time, never to be heard again. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, we waited this line that was took us maybe what fifteen minutes to get in. Nah, maybe a little longer. There was there was like there was like very four fast. parties in front of us. Yeah. There's four parties in front of us, and um, 15 minutes, we got our ramen. We just had the regular Tenkatsu ramen, and I see this place on TikTok all the time, like, oh, if you want to have, like, some authentic Japanese ramen, head to Ramen Nagi in Century City, and boy, was it the most mid ramen that we've ever, that I've ever had in my life. It was pretty... Was it bad? Yeah, it's pretty meh, or pretty okay. It wasn't bad, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Like, if we're, if we're around the, if you're around the area and the line is too long, yeah, sure. Go try it. Apparently, there's another ramen place in that. In the food that, court uh, called Ramen center. King, yes. Yeah, ramen We should have known that there's Ramen good. King that this other one isn't going to compare. That's just like Ramen, whoever's above King well, because Ace. No, that, that, no I, I get what you're getting at, but no. Yeah, I mean, like, I always have kids. I'm that, just riffing that on that. a lot of yeah. Mexican people love called um, King Taco. And you're not a fan? Probably okay. Okay it used Taco to be is what I would call it. But then again, it was like one of the first, like, of those style of taco places I went to. So, you know, at the beginning I was like, whoa, that's really good. But, you know, then you eventually start to go to other places and you're like, oh, it's just, it's okay. Like, it's not bad. But I, I don't know. They also got worse with, like, how much they skimp on the sauces. Like, I think they charge you now per sauce or something ridiculous whoa. where you go something like, you go somewhere like Tacos Gavilan yeah. and, you know, you can basically grab as much as you want of anything. But, uh-huh. and if we're talking about, yeah. Random, random or podcast field trips. Talk about like that's that was our go to. We used to record pre pandemic when we would record the old show in person. We'd record it like ten at night, eleven at night on Friday, and we'd all hop in a car, and that would be our dinner every time, almost. Not well. I mean, for a while it was Blaze, wasn't it? Blaze. Was no, they weren't open at that for... point because we'd be done recording at like midnight. Really, I yeah. feel like we there was a point where we went to Blaze like every single weekend. Oh yeah, that was years ago before even Kevin's on the podcast, and that's just when we were hanging out. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, because that's when that was during that cycle is when you decided to go by Angel as your first name during that blaze when we were doing the blaze streak, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So we headed. We did that. Oh, should we talk about our idea? Possibly. Remember that thing that we saw? Oh, 
<laughs> yes, we should talk about it. This is this is really about or, this, should we, or should we save it in case we no? Do we it? need to talk about it. this. Is the real like I'm sure people are saying like okay, so they saw a movie and they ate some ramen. That's cool, but wait until you hear about this. Story. This is why this is the best mall in LA because no other mall in their right mind would let this store get a lease because they know the store won't last. Would you like to explain what the store is? <laughs> I forgot what it was called. Dora or something like that. Doma Dora, something, something with a D and an A. Doppel. Maybe. maybe? I'm, look, I'm looking at it today. Okay. Like, so basically, Doppel. Oh, that makes sense. Like a doppelganger. Doppel yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, what Doppel is is Doppel is a place where you go and get a picture taken of you or friends or family, and on top of that, uh, they 3D print it. Um. We want to go ahead and take pictures of ourselves, the the random Nintendo crew, and give it to one poor individual out there in the sweepstakes. Now. A 3D model of the random Nintendo crew. Not just a tiny 3D model, by the way. These things are 14 inches tall. That is over a foot tall of us. You can have in your home, on your fireplace mantle, or wherever you put us, a 14-inch tall Kevin, Angel, and Jason posing together in full 3D. You know you yeah, want it. It is uh, pr- it is pretty expensive. So this Obviously, this will be on our dime because we're not going to subjugate some poor listener to pay to, $300 to pay, or whatever it was. <laughs> it was $150 per person. Oh, so it'd be $450 for the three of us. Great. Yeah, four, $450. Yeah. You could literally buy... A 3D rendering. You could us. literally buy... Like a Switch Lite and an Xbox Series S at that price, or you could get us. Yes, or you could get us. Do you think? Get and the choice is very a clear. Very, very tight hug. They could just charge us for like maybe one and a half people. <laughs> 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 What if we just stand on like each other? What if we do like a, we're like, like a totem pole? One very thick figure, I guess. Or what if we're like like yeah, we, Vincent we Adultman and Bojack Chicago. Horseman, and we're all standing on top of each other, but we have a trench coat on, so we're like one person, but you see our three faces. Is that 150 at that point? Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know what I don't know how that yeah, would I don't work. Know. But this thing is real. And like that's literally the store, you go in and half the store is just like an empty store, and then the back half is just this crazy three D rotoscope looking like camera system that takes your picture from every angle. You're in like this room of white light. Um which we have not stepped into. We've not seen the light. But yeah, it's I can't imagine this store lasting very I mean I kind of can because we're right next to Beverly Hills, and I can see a whole bunch of people be like, "Oh, what a what a nice stocking stuffer to give to all our friends." But uh, in most normal sane places, I don't I don't see us taking off whatsoever. Also, did you like my rich person voice? I've I've been I've been not working on that at all. It was it was all right. Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so that that was our that was our idea. Whether it happens or not is a different story. I think that's something that we have to take offline. But um, we don't want to leave folks hanging. Because we probably, you know, like we're going to do a giveaway and then we're not. So we actually do have a giveaway for real. Uh, we will recap it at the end for people who are stick- skipping around. But if you're listening all the way through, keep an eye on the Round and Town Twitter. We are giving away a Curse of Angel, a digital copy of the Super Mario Brothers movie. So we are actually giving you a real prize for listening to the prize you can't get anytime soon. So that is coming. That is real. Not bad at all. Not bad. It's like a $20 um, value. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a tenth look, of the $300 value, we, but you know. <laughs> As we walked back to Jason's house, uh, he got accosted by uh, by a uh, homeless person. This is true. That was pretty funny. This is true. Yeah, he called me all the, sorts the of words. Costing, we can't. Not the fact that he was uh, not the fact that he was homeless. 
we uh, he's saying all sorts of words that we can't repeat on this family friendly recording. Yeah, not at all. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I guess he said can. the at some point we, in between the it. words, but yeah, he said some safe words in between the not so safe words, but yeah. So yeah, it, uh, that was our that was our hangout. That was a big field trip. I think yeah. we're gonna do it we again survived. soon, right? Yes, potentially. Not all we want to see about our I, I guess. I, I feel like we can't top the basically 14-inch tall Christmas ornament of us that you can get, we can get made. But do they do that mini we ones? Will get made. Do, do they do mini ones? Could we, like, do Christmas ornaments? Like, I know I made the joke about, oh, a stocking stuffer. But now I think about it. What a great – why give well, a card? Why give a card, a holiday card to friends and family where well, you could just give them an ornament of yourself? I understand. I mean, they yeah. did have multiple oh, yeah, sizes. Yeah, the, the, yeah, they do have multiple I, sizes. So the six inch is, yeah, the six inch is one hundred fifty nine dollars per person. Oh wow! Oh wow! That was still that price, Jesus. Yeah. yeah that was okay. That price. I uh, yeah, because I was gonna say I almost see the business logic of this more than the Vision Pro from Apple, but I take that back. I do not because that price is insane. So never yeah. mind. Uh, for four inches, that's eighty bucks. Okay, it's coming down. It's coming down. It's not too bad, I guess. Does 20 bucks get you like a two centimeter tall, like just blob of plastic that they say is you? The 20 bucks <laughs> gets you um, everybody laughing at you to the store. Oh, that could be worth it if you're really just looking for someone to acknowledge you in some way. Wow, that got sad. If you're just craving a human interaction and you can pay 20 bucks for someone to laugh, I guess that's something. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if we're done with that. Yeah, what's next on the wheel? I don't know where we go from here. <laughs> right. One, two, three, spin let's spin that, that wheel. wheel. Have fun I syncing I don't this up. know what you said, Angel. What was that? They were getting worse. I think you said sprint. What? Friend? What? And the winner is The Flash. Angel? Uh, Angel? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of grouping The Flash and Transformers together on this one because I've just been watching, somehow ended up watching these two not too far from each other. I mean, I just feel like I've been... Because they came lately, out a week apart. That's probably how you saw them so I mean, close together. Also because I saw Transformers twice, like, You're almost back to back. Like, that's on Sunday and that's Wednesday. But, yeah, I mean, overall, though, like, it seems like it's been... Uh, the Flash coming after Transformers was actually kind of great because Transformers was... I would say it was okay. Um, right. I kind of had my hopes up a little from Bumblebee just because I... Enjoyed that one mainly the first three minutes. Yeah, that movie's great. Yeah, no, I, I was in the um, same boat. It hoping like the rest of the movie is is it. fun. Like it, you know, th- there's definitely something to just having like a much simpler story, just focusing on like a handful of characters. Finally, not having like world-ending stakes. Like you're talking about Bumblebee, you know, right? Yeah, Bumblebee. Okay, yeah, yeah, because you know the stakes were literally that's just not like Rise of the Beast. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because the stakes were literally just the two Decepticons trying to kill Bumblebee. Right. Like that's pretty much it. Um. But yeah, and then Rise of the Beast comes here and is, you know, just trying to be very grand. Like it's called Rise of the Beast, but if anything, the number of beasts goes down from like six to four. So if anything, it's the decline of the beasts. Yeah. But um, can we hold I, on? I mean, can we talk about the beasts real quick? I the you know since I saw it twice, I like had more time to think about it, and I was like, all right, well, I guess they picked them because you know their whole deal. At least, you know, the one, the only one that got really got to talk besides um, Air Razor, the Falcon, is Optimus Primal. Um, the other two, Rhinox and Cheetor, like, I think they maybe get a line. I don't even think Rhinox got a line. He maybe he said something. He did not. I think he grunted at one point. I think he might have Wait, yelled you something. you Rise of the Beast? What? Jason? Yeah, I actually went with, so Angel went twice. I went with him to see it in lovely 4DX 
Um, I'm just going to say it. Mario and 4DX was a better 4DX experience than Transformers, which shocked me. Yeah, but we got actual yeah. hang time in Transformers. That's true. Once, but yeah, that was that was pretty intense. That was the most intense explosion I've ever experienced. We felt the, the recoil of the blast, like they did the with the seat. It was actually kind of cool. Yeah, but yeah, essentially, the deal with the beast is that they're, I guess, already on. You know, the movie starts distant planet, not Earth. The beast, the the Maximals were already there as Maximals, so. You know, I guess it's just another very Earth-like planet where I guess they, those animals, I guess, just also happen to exist there. But their whole deal is that, you know, all life is precious, let's preserve it, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, nature. So it's like, okay, maybe that's why they're animals or that's why they pick them. But other than that, that's literally it. That's like as far as the, the maximal Beast Wars connection goes because they literally could have just been other Autobots that are refugees from this other planet that got destroyed. By Unicron, the planet-eating transformer, because yeah, after that, that's basically it. That's as far as the that's as far as the beast whole beast thing goes. Yeah, and that was and... disappointing. That I mean, it was. I used to watch Beast Wars every morning before school as a kid. So when they first put out the trailer, it's like, oh, the beast, you know, the Optimus Primal is here, and Cheetor is here, and Rhinox is here, and da, 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 da. like it was like, oh my god, this is gonna be great. And yeah, they were like barely even side characters. And I get it's Rise of the Beast, and I get they're supposedly doing more movies or they want to do a trilogy or something. But, like, if you're putting all the marketing muscle behind, look at the beasts, and then the Maximals, like, aren't really doing a whole lot. And some of them don't have any lines, and they leave out entire ones like Rat Trap and, like, Scorpinox is literally – not even Scorpinox, just an army of, like, robots that look like scorpions that are supposed to be Scorpinox but aren't. Like, it just felt very – like the inner child in me was really, – and I tweeted something along these lines. But the inner child in me was really excited to see them in any capacity and they had a great shot at one point like Cheetor and Bumblebee side by side. I'm like, oh, because they're kind of the same character from the two worlds. OK. But um, yeah, that was like it. <laughs> like it, it really – they felt very underutilized in a movie that literally has their name on it or beasts Yeah, the funny thing is that like that the – it bothers me whenever – you know, like as a – you know, as – as we're both like Beast Wars fans, but you know, if I just like try to disconnect myself from all of that, or just like you know, the use of the lore, I guess that they could, you know, if I know the potential, just because we know what could have potentially been, there were no Predacons in the movie, there was no right. oh yeah, Dino I forgot about that or yeah. anything. It was like, very you know, like ignore... the bare minimum to say they did it. Yeah, like ignoring all of that, like you know, it it was fine. Like it was, you know, there was definitely. More Transformer action than there was, like, you know, bouncing back and forth between, like, the human drama and the Transformer drama. Like, the human stuff was mainly in the beginning, and then you're basically just hanging out with the Transformers the whole time. Yeah. Which One of which like, it, is voiced by Pete Davidson. Yeah. Make of that what did, you will. Uh, it was very much Pete Davidson with a robot voice. <laughs> like, it wasn't, he actually wasn't, he was a little more, he wasn't as Pete Davidson as I thought he would be, but he was still very Pete Davidson, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't really know how much outside of this and, I guess, Fast X, to tie it back to the the thing. I guess I know his name. I think he died right away in um, Suicide Squad, the Suicide he Squad. Did. He did. He mainly oh, yeah, SNL yeah. was where he kind of oh, – and, and like, on SNL, like, he didn't do a ton of skits, and he did some, like, desk pieces where we can update. They're actually pretty funny. Like, the guy – the guy's funny, but, yeah, he's kind of just, like, famous for being Pete Davidson. And he does have some acting talent. Don't get me wrong, but, like, he's very, like – Pete Davidson. Like every commercial you see, he does like Taco Bell or something where it's like, hey, I'm Pete Davidson. I'm just going to act like Pete Davidson. 
that's how he is uh, in everything I, he does. A, there's a he he's in the that movie Bodies Bodies Bodies. Yes, yeah. And in the behind the scenes, uh, like making a film, there's an interview with Pete Davidson where he goes, uh, "Yeah, in this movie I play an asshole, which is uh very hard for me to do." <laughs> pretty funny yeah no he he is a he is a funny guy he's just everything he does he's just pete davidson like he just he has that like he has that rhythm down of like being pete davidson so like it's funny when he keeps popping up in different things and he's still like mirage being pete davidson not mirage is funny in the sense of like oh there he is being pete davidson <laughs> but yeah yeah which is funny since mirage didn't necessarily have a personality i really remember outside of him just he's just another autobot he was not right. necessarily a main character or anything so you know, and they clearly wanted to like plug Mirage as like the new Bumblebee main character bot, which is probably why Bumblebee just you know barely in it. Kind of just left out of the movie for like most of it. Yep, yep. With the throwaway yeah. line to explain why Bumblebee like doesn't like the movie Bumblebee doesn't have a direct connection to this. Yeah, it's like I know humans were once good to you, and that's literally all you get. Yeah, he's like I know they're once good to you, but like I don't want you visiting the junkyard anymore. And that was it. That was the only reference, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Also, I'm yeah. going to be honest, they need to grow out of Bumblebee only talking in movie quotes. The stick's a little – like it worked in Bumblebee when he was like first, you know, you, it work, It works in some level. But in this one, it just felt really like – I don't know, not ham-fisted, but really it's seven movies of him doing that. Like the quotes well, didn't even all fit very well. Like it was just like – They got <laughs> – just blamed the continuity because he did get his voice ripped out in Bumblebee. So it can't just be fixed between movies. I guess it could. No, 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 I know. I'm just saying, like, they need to write that out eventually, I feel like. Like, Bumblebee was yeah. like, well, yeah. He did get his voice back in the, one of the ones with Mark Wahlberg, so... Fun fact. get it back eventually. Apparently, this Rise of the Beast movie and Bumblebee are part of a continuity that is separate from all the Bayformer movies. Well, there you go. So maybe he could get it back in the next yeah. one. Maybe yeah. just get it off screen. So they're not you all Knights that, of the Round Table That could have been one, something they done when... when when he uh, came back to join the fight at the end, you know, he could have just been like, oh, look, that also happened to have fixed my voice because what's apparently strong enough to bring him back is also strong enough, I guess, not strong enough to bring it back his voice. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was it was still a fun movie, both in 4DX and not, but not uh, didn't reach the highs of Bumblebee. But something that did catch me as a surprise, I didn't really have expectations for Flash. And I'll keep them brief because I think Jason still wants to watch it. At some point, I but, guess, yes. But yeah, like I I really, really enjoyed that movie. It it definitely felt like a... I don't know. I, actually, I don't remember the last time I saw a superhero movie. Maybe It was probably a Spider-Man of sorts. But yeah, just like the use of powers. I mean, I guess it's the first time we get this much Flash in a movie. But just they just made a super speed look really cool. And the, I mean, that being said, though, as cool as they made his powers look... Um, this movie definitely suffered a lot from some scenes where the CG is passable because, you know, if you saw the trailer, you know, there's like dimension, there's like multiple universes stuff. And the way the Flash gets to these different things is like, you know, their own unique take on time travel. And it's kind of interesting. It's actually pretty interesting. I don't think I've ever seen time travel portrayed this way. It's almost like he's fast forwarding and rewinding through a movie. But the way it's the way it looks, it's like a bunch of CG duplicates of, I guess, events that happened already, and it looks kind of weird, and it kind of works, but it's mostly kind of weird. But in those instances, the CG is like, you know, you let it slide because 
I don't know, they're supposed to represent moments, but they claim it's when intentionally he go- bad. But when he's in the super slow mo, yeah, and... like I felt all my tests at college. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> the director's like, oh, it's because it's his warped perspective. I'm like, mm hmm, okay. Yeah, like it doesn't look horrible, but it's just noticeable. Especially, and then when he's in super slow mo doing, you know, there's obviously going to be some Quicksilver style scenes, and I mean, of course, like he has the right to all the super speedy stuff. But yeah, like there's. I don't know, the the use of CG for people is like extra noticeable in this movie sometimes, and I wouldn't say it's enough to like take you out of it. It just looks weird, and obviously, like, yeah, they're not going to put an actual baby in a microwave. Um, I'm so, sorry, you know, what? They... Spoiler? What? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what? That's like in the first like ten minutes. Um, but yeah, I'll let you. See you can't just like casually talk about microwaving babies like that's a normal thing in movies. What? Yeah, yeah, he has to rescue babies, and that was just one of the ways that he did it. Uh-huh. Um, but. Babies are microwaves? Uh, so he's one, one baby in one microwave. To, to clarify, he's rescuing a baby from the microwave um, or he's putting better. it in a turned off microwave to keep it safe from something else? I mean, it, it should be obvious, but yeah. I, I don't know because <laughs> the be fact obvious? this seed is happening is strange enough. I don't know what's obvious yeah, in this you, twisted you, world. You'll, you'll see. Oh, okay. You'll, you'll, you'll be surprised how it even like plays in. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, it was fun. It was fun seeing Michael Keaton reprise Batman. It was fun seeing like some other surprises that I definitely wasn't expecting. It was kind of one of those good movies to not get spoiled. But I didn't really, yeah, it was just, uh, I guess I did watch it opening weekend. So I guess that's probably why. But yeah, I'd recommend it. I mean, obviously, you know, there is the whole Ezra Miller thing. Um, it's kind of a shame because, like I said, the movie is really fun. But right. yeah, I mean, obviously, like, it's um it's up to you to decide whether you want to watch it or not. Right. Um that being said though, like if you weren't a fan of just Barry Allen's characterization Barry Allen's or the Flash's characterization in Justice League, you know, like wisecracking funny man, I guess that's what they were going for. Um I thought it did a good job of like just kind of grounding him. It's almost like his whole arc is like growing out of that behavior. But yeah, we just also thought it was kind of interesting. But yeah. So Otherwise, between the two, wait, between the two, transform Rise of the Beast or the Flash? It sounds like the Flash wins. Oh, easily. easily. Okay. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I was like, ex- I was about to explode halfway through, like needing to go to the restroom of the Flash, but I endured because I didn't want to miss anything, and there was maybe like an hour left of pain. And you're telling but... me in Transformers, you would have just be like, screw this movie. There's not any. Predacons and just like walk out and go to the bathroom. Yeah, I probably would have been like, oh, I gotta go to the restroom. Probably not gonna miss much. You probably wouldn't have, honestly. Met on. By the way, and... Transformers thought that crossed my mind after we watched the movie, and I never thought about this as a kid. So you have a gorilla who's Optimus Prime, and you don't call him Optimus Primate. You call him Optimus Primal, but Primate's right there. Really, really, Hasbro, you're so close. I, I, to be fair, they had the names before they were right. But obviously, um, I mean, obviously they're dated primal because animal and like, you know, he's primal. Like they, 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 they could have called it primate and come up with some other excuse. But yes, you're right. Technically the first... they land on earth and then scan in the cartoon, land on earth, scan some animals. That's how he becomes a primate. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when they give themselves their name. They're like, call me Cheetor. Exactly. They're I'll all named after the animals, except uh. they're all named after the animal. Rat trap, by the way, wasn't in the movie. Where's rat trap? Is a rat. Cheetor's a cheetah. Well, well because he's a primal like, version of Optimus Prime, I guess. He just he's also a primate to... version of Optimus Prime. Is RC cool in this movie? Because <sighs> I really like RC, and they did her dirty in the uh, favors. RC is still RC in this movie. 
Yeah, but like, is she cool in it? Oh, she she's not does a it. lot of flips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she she she's very acrobatic, very CG looking. Yeah, she sucks in <laughs> the Bayverse. I think she's only in. She's like a triplet three? in the Bayverse, and she gets killed yeah. off. I think in Revenge of the Fallen. In this one, she's essentially yeah. a gold medal gymnast. Like she does some crazy gymnastics. Like she flips. Yeah, she probably right? gets. She she gets. I guess the the non Beast Wars get a lot of voice lines. Like she gets a lot of voice lines, and so does even who else is even part of that crew? Just yeah, Mirage, Optimus, and uh, Wheel Wheeljack. Oh the, right. One with the oh, by the way, side accent. side thought. Not to go back to Transformers too much. Uh, one thing Michael Bay actually did really well with those movies that I feel like was missing in Rise of the Beast, they don't do a whole lot with the transformation stuff. Like, I feel like there are so many cool shots in, like, the Bay movies of, like, weaving through them as they transform. Like, they half tra- – like, in the fight, they partly transform to, like, do a thing or they're, like, doing all sorts of crazy – this one, it's like, oh, they're robots now and look how acrobatic they are. Oh, they're cars now. The only cool stuff where they show them, like, the transformation being useful is when they do, like, entrances or exits, kind of. Like when they have like Anthony Ramos's character like come out of the like like literally walk out of the car as it's transforming into a, like there's some cool stuff like that but like in terms of the fights in terms of like even they're just like when he first meets all of them they just kind of like walk into this barn like in full robot form it's just like feels like a missed opportunity I don't know felt a little less you like know, the, Transformers there was and more like one moment superheroes or something there was that one moment where Pete Davidson bot was driving backwards and then he transforms himself you know to be not backwards. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. There's a couple scattered ones, but even when they did that, they just showed him like, like it, she just kind of flipped. They didn't like go like through the like the mechanics of the transformations didn't feel as like well oiled <laughs> as they oh, yeah. did in the Michael I know Bay what movies. You mean. Like, I, yeah, and and it definitely got more and more intense in the Bay movies as they went on. Like I remember there were some parts where you have Bumblebee literally just transforming an arm, but leaving the rest of his body in car mode yeah. just so he could like yeah, yeah, grab yeah. something, and then you know it turns back into like the piece of the car yeah like stuff like that was kind of like this kind of felt like oh these just these aliens that are like or superhero looking aliens that are just doing like they're just fighting each other as robot aliens opposed to like transforming robot aliens but anyway i digress yeah what's next i think to digress what yes it's a funny thing yes to it digress. is and i have a habit of doing it on these very very recordings yes all right three two one go spin, spin that, that wheel. wheel just keep it percent it we need a sound effect for the wheel spin. We really dropped the ball there. The roulette ball, oh, if you will. By, like, a hair. Uh, Jason's game corner. Oh, man, it's not just mine. It's a game corner for all of us. <laughs> but, yes, um, you know, something that happened literally in the entire time since we last got together to record is we had, I don't know what you want to call it, Summer Game Fest, not E3, just the month of June. But, like, there was a lot of video game things that happen. I feel like there's a little something for everyone. Like, say what you will about E3 being dead, Summer Game Fest not being the same, but, like, there is something kind of fun about seeing what everyone's up to all in a relatively compact time frame. And we got a PlayStation Showcase or whatever they call those. We got Summer Game Fest. We got... That was a PlayStation Showcase. Yeah, yeah. okay. PlayStation Showcase, Summer Game Fest, Xbox Showcase, uh... Ubisoft Forward, which was like, that one was interesting because they wanted to get the vibe of E3. So they did like a live press conference, but they didn't have the like majesticness of E3. So it wasn't like in the LA theater like it normally is. It was in like a extra room in some random building or something. So it was like very small and compact, but it still had the like awkward cringe of live, which was, anyway, we had that. And then we had a Capcom showcase as well, plus a bunch of indie stuff in between. Um, what did you guys watch? Did you guys watch any of them at all? 
what did I watch? Uh, yeah, I watched the whole this one. Just the PlayStation Showcase, or at least part of it. But that's about it. I didn't even wow. see Summer Game Fest. I think... Is that where the Ninja Turtle DLC no, news came from? I don't think so. Wait, was it? It was where the Spider-Man the, 2 release date was announced. Then maybe... Where the Spider-Man 2 was announced? Where the release date was announced. That was the that Sony was, Showcase. No, that was Summer Game Fest. They showed... Gameplay oh, Spider-Man that's right. they Two at Sony, they, they and oh, so that was yeah. the that was Summer Game Fest itself. Yeah, that they announced. Their, yes, the Summer Game Fest showcase. Yeah, yeah, that's all you saw, Angel. Yeah, I just saw Ninja Turtle DLC trailer, which I don't know, I'm obviously excited about playing as Usagi. No, the I rabbit think that's pretty cool. Like you saw, that was the only thing from Summer Game Fest that you saw. Oh yeah, and it was just a trailer, but I don't yeah. know if that was announced I during the Game Fest. But that's like the only new. I don't even of... think that was during the. I could be wrong, but I don't remember that being during the show, but. But Kevin, you sounded uh, well, more plugged. In. You sound. You said you were more plugged in. What? 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 Any highlights across any of them? I imagine Final Fantasy. I imagine Persona. Final Fantasy, Persona, that new game from Team Atlas, mm, uh, Project Mirage. Is that what it's called? Something like that. No, uh, Mirada Fort, metaphoric, meta something. Metaphor Refantasia. Can we just make like a blanket that rule in gaming that like, if you're gonna have an English title, like have it use real words? <laughs> Like, is that too much to ask? That looks dope as hell. <laughs> it does look cool, actually, visually. Um, it, it basically just looks like High Fantasy Persona, which is yeah. so, so cool. It's like Persona, like, by way of, like, old Final Fantasy or, like, Fire Emblem or something. Yeah. Sure, yeah. It kind of reminded um, me of, uh, uh, super cool. what was it called? The Fire Emblem Persona crossover they did. Or Shimigami crossover. Tokyo Session. Yeah, kind of just some of, some of it, especially the blue hair on the main person. Kind of, yeah. Gave me that vibe. Yeah. Uh, but, no, that that... That game was just straight up Persona from from what I saw. Right. Like, they had social links. They had the same uh, style of menu where each face button is a different action uh, in a turn-based setting. Uh, yeah, it looks, just looks right up my alley. I can't wait for that. Obviously, Persona 3 Reload. Persona 3 is my favorite in the series. Uh, and they just Persona 5 the crap out of Persona 3, which is awesome. Right down uh, to not bringing it to Switch, just like Persona 5. The- yeah, that's... <laughs> that, oh. Whatever. Yeah, that at least I, I guess you, I guess, I guess you have Persona is, Three Portable. Yeah, and Persona Five Tactics, or whatever it's called, is coming to Switch. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, but you still have Persona Three Portable, which uh, actually has more content than uh, than uh, right because they're not they're not including stuff like the female playable character I was reading, right, and some other added yeah, on correct. stuff. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is what it is. Um, but then, like on the other side of stuff, like. That you Star Wars game looks super hella cool. Oh, uh, Outlaws! Um, yeah, I was impressed Outlaws with that. Also, Nyx, awesome. that little dog thing—I forgot the name of the alien—but that, like, the way it's like integrated in all of the stuff you do is that—I thought that was really cool. It's just such a small touch, but gives the game so much more personality. How it's just like there yeah. for everything. Um, yeah, yeah, looks, looks super, super dope. Um, what else? What else? Starfield looks incredible. St- I can't like wrap my amazing. head around. Like, I know if I owned an Xbox, I would never have the mental bandwidth or the willpower to put in the time to do everything Starfield will offer, all the systems, all the customization. Like, there's no way, no chance I would be able to do it. But watching that direct at the end of the Xbox showcase and seeing how much they're pouring into that game was really cool. Just kind of like a, almost like a, like a statement by the developer. Like, just like a kind of like, look what we, look what technology lets us, look how crazy games can get in terms of how many different intertwined systems and mechanics and whatever we can put in a single game like it's really impressive yeah, yeah. uh that looks super awesome yeah 
Uh, just a, just a lot of good good looking stuff out there. That was kind of the thing I thought was really nice about like this not E three is this year, and I realized some of it was sort of circumstantial, and it worked out that like Xbox, for example, was able to have a really good showing this year. Um, because just the development time lined up for a lot of things. But I feel like from PlayStation through Capcom, for the most part, it was actually pretty good, like, three or four weeks of announcements. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff. Like, whatever your flavor of gaming, there was... Even on Switch, there's some cool stuff, which I'll talk about in a minute. But, like, there, I felt like that was a pretty well-rounded showing compared to, like, past years of conferences that were scattered throughout summer. And, you know, we haven't even seen what Nintendo's necessarily going to do. But, um, yeah, I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised at how busy everything like everything there's a lot coming out it all looks like pretty high quality there wasn't very many like dull games in in the mix this year you know right and i think some of it is uh, i saw some i think it was this axios but um the guy that runs like xbox studios not phil spencer like his 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 developer head uh, a guy named i love that this is his name his name's matt booty Real name. Uh, but he was saying that you know poor guy yeah right imagine middle school for him uh but yeah, he was saying that, you know, dev times as you get into these more advanced consoles are going to take longer and longer and longer. Like, you know, gamers haven't yet gotten used to the idea that it could take six, eight, ten years to release a game. And on the one hand, I can't imagine being a developer spending that long on a single project, like the the the, the grind of that. But on the other hand, when all those dev cycles line up just right, it's a pretty exciting time to be into video games. Like, it's just there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. And even stuff that, you know, like Xbox showed some stuff they didn't even date yet. But like they had a stop motion game called... Uh, I forgot what it's called, but that kind of cool. well stop motion style. Oh, I was gonna say Song of the South. No, it, no like, I, I do. I was about to say the same thing, and I stopped myself. Of the South. Yeah, like that looked kind of cool, and like they, you know, right before that they had Fable, which still isn't dead, and they still somewhere in the background have like Perfect Dark. Like Xbox has a lot coming down the pipe. Like it, it's after a couple of years of pretty light load, like having it all kind of line up, and then PlayStation have you know Spider Man and some third party stuff like it, it's, that's it, it. Uh, that's true actually yeah playstation suffering for what xbox just got over the hurdle of i feel like that's a very good point first party wise i mean get rid of uh jim ray that i keep saying that yeah well there's yeah there's there's playstation sucks. making weird choices but but angel to loop you back in the conversation they didn't forget you at any of this um capcom in particular remembered you because they gave you an apollo justice they gave you personally oh, an yeah, apollo yeah, justice I trilogy i saw the capcom yeah Apollo Justice and yeah, the Ghost Trick Port. Dragon's Dogma looks awesome too. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Which Resident one? Evil Four. The I mean, you had already like gave me like, oh yeah, it's it's definitely free because it's called the mode, and yeah, they confirmed it's free. Mm-hmm. Look forward for that. And yeah, like you know, they talked a lot more about Ghost Trick, which I love. I mean, that being said, Ghost Trick doesn't need. I mean, I personally didn't feel it needed this much like you know trailers and trailers and trailers and, and demos like, like, and demos like and demos you can download a demo right yeah, now yeah like it, it's not that it, it's an awesome game but jesus it's it's very um, it's very like b tier which is not a knock against the game it's just not like that high profile of a game that needs this much maybe they're trying to make it that high profile or maybe they see potential in how phoenix Wright has grown to mirror that with ghost trick but yeah i get what you mean yeah they're and i mean really i'm definitely gonna it. get i'm definitely gonna get a physical copy of it if it can find one wherever but yeah, and they announced Apollo Justice collection, which is basically just it's a Trinity four, five, six. Yep. To go with the one, two, three collection, which is also super awesome because part four is one that I've wanted to replay a lot on a TV because I do obviously still have access to it on my 3DS and on DS. Well, same thing because it's the same game. But yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, five and six, I still I still kind of fresh in my head, so I don't necessarily need to replay those, but just another another version to own. Another 
yeah, another, yeah, another version that I'm going to buy again. And maybe eventually get the Japanese version, because I do have the Japanese version of the trilogy in the physical form, which I got through Anime Expo, which is also coming up. Which oh, Jason breaking news thing. about Anime Expo, because I just saw an ad for it before I recorded. Um, entertainment will be provided by Shaquille O'Neal. He'll be DJing. What? Yep. DJ Diesel huh. is yeah, his stage that. name. But yes, he will be DJing at Anime Expo. So, Angel, That's we random. need a full report in the first episode of Random Nintendo at Random or Nintendo after Amex, but you need to get us the full lowdown on Shaq's DJing abilities and any weird interactions that you or those around you may have had with him. So, homework assignment. Huh. DJ Diesel. DJ Diesel. But other than that, uh, yeah, besides Resident Evil and Ace Attorney stuff, there wasn't anything to it. That new really. IP, I don't remember what it's called, but it's like Okami mixed with like, uh, with uh, Omenusha or whatever it's called. Like, that looked kind of cool. Onimusha. Yeah. Uh, something Goddess of Light. Yeah. Like, that That look. That, I, weirdly, they showed the exact same trailer, if I'm not mistaken, at the Xbox showcase and at the Capcom showcase. No, it, it was slightly different. Okay, but, like, barely. But, yeah, it. Uh, that actually looked kind of cool. I wish that was coming to Switch. I realize why it's not coming to Switch. I wish it was coming to Switch, but... There's a lot that's like the Switch. But at the same for time. Very, very apparent reasons. Yes, but at the same time, I was pleasantly surprised by some of the stuff that was coming to Switch. In all honesty, like, I like, didn't think, I thought watching Summer Game Fest, there's going to be nothing. Like, I know every, the narrative is the Switch is on its last legs. Like, obviously, stuff like Ghost Trick can come because that's an Upreds port. Apollo Justice Trilogy can come, Upreds port. But then there were a couple games that actually really come out. I thought Sonic Superstars actually looked really cool. I mean, at the. Really, all Sega did was go, hey, remember New Super Mario Brothers? What if we just did that for Sonic? So it's like a kind of... No, it was like if they said, what if we made Sonic the Hedgehog 4, but good. Oh, yeah, or that. Sonic. That's a good way to put it, yeah. But either way, like, it's it's basically New Super Mario Brothers or Sonic 4 combined. But it, it seems it seems fun, yeah. Like, it, you can have up to four people playing, you know, uh, Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, Amy. You can do co-op together. It's all new levels. Interestingly, they are insisting, like they're making this a point because fans know this and they're really leaning in on it. It uses the physics engine of the 2D games. They are not making new physics. It's literally how you how it felt when you used to play it, you will feel now. They're replicating it. They're like side-by-side videos, like frame by frame, showing exactly how it's the same. And I was like, wow, that's actually like I know the Sonic Cycles a thing. And I know people are always like, oh, you get hyped and they get disappointed, but like that's a pretty promising foot forward that they're paying that much attention to detail. The other thing that I thought was kind of cool about it is uh, it's actually being developed by Arzest, or I think that's what they're called, Arzest. Um, you may know them as the developers of uh, Street Pass Plaza games, Hey Pikmin, Yoshi's New Island, uh, more recently, unfortunately, uh, Balan Wonderland. But the guy who heads up that studio was the original creator of the Sonic character. So Yuji Naka made, like, the Sonic game, right? Like, but originally, Sonic as a game was just a ball rolling around through those levels. This guy, the head of our of our Zest now, uh, Nato Ishima, Oshima, I think is his name. He actually made Sonic, like the character, and worked on a lot of the early games. So he's heading up this development. So it's like they brought back like the old school team. And our Zest is made up half of um, developers from Artoon, who also used to work with Nintendo on stuff, and half old Sega developers. So, like, it's really kind of like a return to form of sorts for Sonic in terms of how it plays, who's behind it. It's like they found, like, a second Sonic team or something. But, um, yeah, so it, that actually looked really promising, and that's coming to Switch. Um, 
That was one that caught my eye. Uh, you you started to react to that for a secondary angel too. Are you excited for that one? Yeah, I love the the art style. I love the way it just animates. I mean, it just looks fun. Yeah, yeah, it, look, it looks really good. And I really like in the trailer too how they did that little like, oh, he's running between the new and the old, and he keeps looking back at the other one. And like, obviously, they toyed with that with like Sonic Generations in a more real way, but it was kind of a cool little visual thing at the start. Um, but yeah, yeah that's one game. Coming. Sonic is cool, but like, I do. I am happy to see at least like some attempt at a, I guess we're just calling the evolution of it or just like the continual growth of it. Cause we've had 3D, 2D Sonics, but only as like half of a game in like, you know, your Sonic Forces, your Sonic Generations, your right. Sonic Colors, like where right. you sometimes have 2D levels. And anytime it was strictly 2D, you would have, you know, the sprite based ones, unless you're Sonic 4, which I believe wasn't very well received. So it's kind of cool seeing a 2D Sonic get what feels like the budget that it needs right. to be, basically be as good as it needs to be. But, you it, know, we'll see. It's crazy to me that Sega didn't jump on this sooner. I mean, Nintendo's made four, five New Super Mario Brothers games. And, like, this is essentially that formula. Like, how did they not, when Mario Wii became, like, one of the best, how did they not go, maybe we should do this too? Like, they waited so long. Like, in hindsight, it's crazy they didn't jump on that bandwagon sooner. But, yeah, hopefully... Hopefully it does, um, you know, prove to actually be kind of what fans seem to already think it is and, and break the Sonic cycle a little here. Um, but yeah, so that's one game that's kind of switched that caught my eye. Another one that caught my eye that's also kind of switched and was at both Summer Game Fest and Ubisoft's presentation, uh, The New Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, I think it's called. Um, this is interesting because in the same way, what was that game that Ubisoft made? Uh, it's basically Breath of the Wild, but wasn't. Was it Phoenix Rising? Phoenix Rising. Something. Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yeah, Immortals Phoenix Rising. There's a lot of Prince of Persia Lost Crown that kind of is like that, but to Metroid Dread. Like, it's a different setting, but gameplay-wise, the way it, like, does zoom in for, zoom ins for, like, dramatic attacks and comes back out, the whole Prince of Persia now being, like, a Metroidvania, like they straight up are saying it is, like, you know, you discover new things and you use those abilities to go back to old things, and yeah. It's, it's, it's basically Ubisoft's Metroid Dread, but it actually looks kind of cool like and i've heard it plays very fluidly even on switch it's only like 60 frames and really fluid so yeah that one kind of was a pleasant surprise i didn't see coming because I, I do like like i really like sands of time on gamecube which obviously was a bit not a 2d prince of persia but if they were to take something like metroid dread and then as they're doing bring in the time powers that that's interesting that has my attention and it's also not releasing i don't think it's 60 bucks it's like a budget game of sorts i think it's 50 maybe 40 so like that's just you know between that and sonic there's actually like some stuff that kind of still makes sense on switch that still is coming to switch um or the prince of persia did anyone else have you guys seen any footage of it at all i didn't even or know the, a prince of persia game was announced oh yeah it was, it was that's it opened summer game fest but um the trailer and the second anime trailer they did at um ubisoft forward they're not just sort of riffing on metroid dread they also decided what better franchise than prince of persia question mark to riff on spider-verse so like the animated cutscene has a very spider-verse vibe they have music in it that sounds kind of like the spider-verse soundtrack like you know it's like very similar production on like this rap song and it's very like yeah, there's a lot of it's like what if Metroid Dread and like Spider Verse were like crossed over and then given some like Middle Eastern flair, and that's this new Prince of Persia, which could be a recipe for disaster, but it looks like they might actually be pulling it off. So I'm kind of curious about that one. Um, and that song, 
that they had that had like the rap song in the trailer. <laughs> I saw a bunch of concert people like, oh, this doesn't make sense for Prince of Persia. So then I looked up the song, whether it makes sense or not. Ubisoft commissioned that song. The song in the trailer is literally from the game soundtrack for the game soundtrack streaming on Spotify and Apple Music as the name of the game. Like the album is Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. And just like with Spider-Verse, I don't know if you guys have listened to the um, Spider-Verse soundtrack at all, the new oral or scene when you listen to it, that they often put the name of the movie next. Like it'll be like, I don't know, uh, Annihilate, parentheses, Spider-Verse, across the, uh, Spider-Man, across the Spider-Verse. Even Prince of Persia, it's like name of the song, parentheses, Prince of Persia, Lost Crown. Like it's so cribbing on Spider-Verse, which is kind of funny. But yeah, that that one I thought was kind of cool. So I'd be keeping an eye on that. It comes out in January. Um, but then the third game that caught my eye was on the indie side. Like we talked about all the big presentations, but throughout all that, there was also like the future game show. There was Wholesome Direct. There was like two or three others. And there's this kind of cool game called Resistor that um, anyone that follows me on Twitter, I, I tweeted at the time. But it's sort of like Burnout meets Mad Max. So... It's like this open world game where you can drive around and you build up a team to fight like this evil mega corporation. But it's also very like, at least in the footage we saw in the trailer, like set in kind of a post-apocalyptic deserty sort of like, yeah, it's kind of a Mad Max vibe. Um, but then like when you do these races in the game, they're kind of, they're sort of race battles and they kind of look like a mix of, again, like burnout with sort of like the sideswipe attacks from F-Zero like, specifically, I don't know if anyone remembers in F-Zero GX when you do that one-on-one canyon race, which was brutal for me as a kid. I never It took me forever to beat. But anyway, like, that aesthetic of that race and how you're, like, kind of swiping into uh, Goro or whatever his name was is, like, very... I got that vibe immediately from this. And then, like, it's kind of that combined with, like, every over-the-top racer you can imagine. But then there's also, on top of that, assuming they pull us all off, there's also this added layer that kind of reminds me of... And remember the DS game Custom Robo Arena? I'm probably the only person on Earth that played that game. Yeah, I remember. You did? Wow. Yeah, Yeah, it was from Nintendo. It was on DS. But, yeah, basically the game was, you know, it's a light RPG. You customize your robot. That's the RPG elements. There's, like, story elements that are plot-driven. It kind of has an anime flair. But then the battles, the RPG battles, are real-time battles in, like, arenas. What they're describing for this game, Resistor, sounds kind of similar. Because you're, like, building a team of different cars to use. You're building out your cars with different stats to boost. And then instead of, and there's all story driven, all is kind of an anime style. It all has uh, kind of a cell shaded look. And then the battles are just these races where you're like beating up other cars as you race, sort of like in Custom Robot where you beat up other robots. So I don't know. If, if this looks how I think it looks, like go find a trailer, see what you think. I think it looks cool. But it's just, it, it it's kind of one of those like little sleeper games that you wouldn't expect like that's one of the things i really like about this time of year whether you call it e3 or summer game fest is like there's always that one or there's always those couple games that you don't expect don't see coming can't go oh a new prince of persia oh a new you know oh they brought back sonic as a co-op thing that's cool like even then it's like oh it's still sonic but this is something just out of left field that kind of caught my eye and just looks cool so yeah even even if they scale down down e3 i'm, I'm cool with that um yeah, so th- those were the three that caught my eye. Uh, but I feel like we there's one more. There's one more in Little Game Corner we got to talk about. Because um, while there is stuff in the chamber for Switch that's maybe not from Nintendo, you know, I rattled off a few. There are some others. I mean, they, all the ones Angel was talking about from Capcom. Um, everybody won to Switch. Oh, so, I only heard about that one because I saw it pop up in the outline. 
And I was like, what the heck? Yeah. You, the reason I, you only heard about it is because here's how Nintendo announced it. Actually, let me find the tweet. They literally announced it with a tweet that doesn't have an exclamation point that's, point that's basically along the lines of like, on June 30th, you can purchase everybody one two Switch. Pre-order now. And that's like the tone of the tweet. That's not exactly what it said, but that was the tone. This thing was announced less than a month before it comes out. There's not really any information on it. The The description that Nintendo has on their website is bare bones. There's no trailer. There's no screenshots. There's a piece of key art. And if that name rings a bell, everybody wants to switch, you may remember a year ago, maybe longer, there was a report that came out. And we covered it back at the time. But there's a report that came out that Nintendo stuck with a sequel to One Two Switch that they don't know what to do with. The game is bad. Like, internally, it tested horribly. They thought they had something on their hands when they were developing it of, like, well, One Two Switch used the Joy-Cons. What if, like... For, they thought they were cooking. They thought, yeah. They're like, what if you do a sequel where, like, you borrow from Jackbox, right? So, like, you can have your cell phone or a Joy-Con, and, like, you do stuff together using either of those. So you can, in theory, have up to 100 people in a room, and these are could be, these could be online. So you get people, like, remotely Whoa. join in. You get people not. And then they would have you do stuff like... This is what the report said from a year ago. They'd have you do fun mini games like uh, – let me see if I can find the quote here. Mini games would ask players to physically move around the environment for things like musical chairs or use their phone to play bingo. There was even a game that resembled a virtual version of Spin the Bottle that involved saying something nice about the other person. This was what Nintendo thought they had as a good game. Apparently, the target audience for this were kids and their parents, but even that target audience found it too boring. Um, they didn't even want to, like, go through the whole process of playing it. They would, like, quit mid-game. Like, the bingo game, for example, they had you pantomime digging a number out with the Joy-Con. Like, you do, like, a digging motion, then a number would appear, and, like, people thought it was tedious, and they didn't understand why they had to do it. And the article a year ago kind of left it out. Nintendo doesn't know what to do with this thing. They invested in it. They developed it. They're debating, do they throw it for free on Switch Online and, like, an expansion pass perk? Do they make it a full-fledged game? Do they sell it half-price? And that's the last we heard about everybody want to switch, which at the time was called everybody's apostrophe S one to switch. Um, and now in the midst of summer game fest, the one Nintendo <laughs> announcement is uh, that tweet where they just go like, yeah, uh, everybody want to switch will be out in uh, about three weeks and it will cost them um, about uh, $30. And uh, yeah, here's some key art of a horse, that house. And that was it. Like Nintendo's own description. They don't say anything. They don't tell you, like, what. I don't even know what this... Mix up your next get-together with the Everybody 1-2 Switch game. Grab some Joy-Con controllers or smart devices for team-based games that are easiest set up and feature everything from balloons to aliens and more. People at your next party can get moving and show off your t their teamwork in this multiplayer mashup. A mix of modes and games to keep you on your toes. Use Joy-Con controllers or smart devices. Split into teams. Many games have several variations. They don't describe a single minigame. That's the whole sales pitch. That's it. Nothing. Not a single game, not a single screenshot. And they want you to buy it for 30 bucks. The most bizarre Nintendo announcement ever. And if that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't give me much confidence that they fixed things from a year ago. I mean, granted, maybe dropping the apostrophe S from everybody is for the final release. Maybe they changed some stuff in the game too. But wow, is that weird. Three weeks before release, three and a half weeks, not a screenshot, not a trailer, just some very vague descriptions of gameplay. So... I think they still should have just put on expansion pass and cut their losses. Um, but it is very <laughs> interesting that they're releasing it. And I wonder if they were partly seeing on it because to the point before, Switch is in its twilight years or getting there. Like, are, are they kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here? Is this all they got left? Like, 
There's rumors there might be a new Nintendo Direct any day now. I mean, of course, there's always those rumors, but, like, is that – if that happens, do they have anything major? Can they, like, whip up, like, some quick – like, take the – I don't know, take the Link's Awakening engine and throw a Link to the Past in there and call it a remake of the Super Nintendo game? Could they make a new Super Mario Brothers 2D side score? Like, there's some rumblings of that. Like, I don't know, but the fact that everybody wants to switch is being trotted out after – testing so poorly and then being promoted so vaguely which seems to confirm how poorly it's tested it's yeah i don't know it's very weird very unusual very like late in the game of a nintendo systems life type of move so everyone enjoy your one two switch excuse me everyone enjoy your everybody one two switch but yeah that was of all the announcements of summer game fest that that one took the cake for strangest i would say banjo you bought the first one are you gonna buy this Maybe. I mean, it could be fun for like a a one-time party thing and then probably like went to Twitch, never played again until we find another group that hasn't played it. That's pretty much what it became. But Right. Yeah. At least it's half the price of 1-2-Switch. They learned that, at least. And 1-2-Switch sold like 3.5 million copies. So it's not like this is totally poor business sense, but I think the final product probably is not what they were hoping for. But yeah. Did I tell you the tweet didn't even have an exclamation mark in it? That's how unexcited even their own social media manager was for this thing. It was literally like, get get the game, period. So, anyway. Not to put a damper on all this fun Summer Game Festa. I mean, if we want to talk weird stuff, there's also the PlayStation Q, which <laughs> I don't know what that thing is. But, um... One of the strangest devices I've ever seen with life. Right? It's like... They kind of made the Wii U after the Wii U failed, but like they won't even – if the thing support... – so in the time since it was announced, Sony did say, hey, we're starting to really invest in cloud. Hey, we're going to let you stream games on your PS5 from the cloud, like from PlayStation Premium and PlayStation Plus. Like they're start. so if this thing, if this queue does let you stream directly to the device and bypass your PS5 and you can do it out in the world on any Wi-Fi network – maybe if it's cheap enough because then that's not huge it's just like a more comfortable version of streaming to your phone like instead of getting like a backbone or whatever those controllers are you could just get this thing which means it has to be cheap but if it's just for your ps5 as they're currently saying it is oh who who is buying that because you can already do that can't you with remote play onto other devices yeah and they have a they have a partnership with backbone who makes like one of the best like faux controllers out there. Yeah, and they even have a like PlayStation they have a special one. like yeah. With, yeah, it makes no sense. It's so strange. It it really. I know there's like a Ryan gag that PlayStation always steals Nintendo's ideas. Like you know, Rumble was first Nintendo. Dual um, analog stick was first Nintendo. Obviously, the Wii remote that led to the um, move. Like you, you know, there's that pattern. But I didn't think they would take the Wii U. That that one <laughs> that one I would not have expected, but. Yeah, definitely a weird, weird announcement. And I think I think they even took from Nintendo the um, the way of announcing it, of being very confusing in it. Because if they wanted this to be a cloud device, announce it with your cloud plans. Make it very clear. They did the Nintendo. They did what Nintendo did with the Wii U, where they're like, "Here's this crazy new controller," and you're like, "What's it for?" And they're like, "We'll tell you later." And then ever since, people didn't understand what it was for, even when they told you later, because that initial first impression is what matters, right? And like Sony just didn't say. So now a bunch of people, even if they do cloud stuff, are going to be like, oh, it requires your PS5. And so it's like remarket how it won't require your PS5 if that ends up being the case. It just seems like, I don't know, it's so strange. I don't know what, what Sony's doing sometimes. Gotta get rid of Jim Ryan. Yeah, it seems like he may be a little misguided. 
<laughs> Granted, it's not all him. I mean, the Japanese arm is definitely a big pusher of hardware in particular, but yeah. Anyway, that was game, summer game fest, fun time, happy-go-lucky video game celebration. That's just something you guys wanted to add. Are you okay? You need like, to get some water? You basically talked for like 30 minutes straight. I've done it before. I, I don't need water, believe it or not. For me, this was just a normal conversation, one-sided and long. <laughs> Damn. Sorry, I got a, I got a uh, phone call from work. Uh, I think we're down to our last three things. Three things? Actually, I'm going to kill... I'm not going to kill him, but I think we should probably save Spider-Man until Angel sees it, however long that takes. That makes a certain amount of sense. Can we say a very quick... I have a very, very quick two-sentence thought on it. Sure. I, same. I'll, I'll do the same. Okay. Uh, it might be two and a half sentences. It's going to be a run-on sentence. I, I love how them winning the award gave them basically the freedom to go crazy with some of their ideas. And the fact that they did that with integrating so many different art styles beyond what they did before was super cool. I made it very visually striking. And it let them really sort of flex their muscle with the plot and things like that too. That's sentence one. Sentence two, the score for the movie was really good. The soundtrack, so overall the music was really good. The score was really, really good. The soundtrack, as I've listened to it repeatedly, is not as good as the first movie soundtrack. It's good, okay. not as good. And I'm done. Your turn. Uh, my turn. Uh, loved it. Can't wait to see it in a different state of mind when it comes out of the home uh, theater. Uh, can't wait to see it on my on my TV, which you also have the same TV, so those color, colors are really going to pop. How did you see it in theaters? Uh, what format? I saw it in IMAX. I mm. didn't see it in Dolby. Which, I did Dolby. Which I wish I could. I wish I saw it in Dolby. Yeah, Dolby was great. It popped. Unfortunately, pop, did not pop. see it in Dolby. Yep. Pop, 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 pop. Community, another Sony product. Yep. Okay, let's spin that wheel. Hey, <laughs> look at that! Look, guys, we're Off we're ready cuff. to host an improv show. And we are talking severance. What did we land on? Kevin Cut. Severance. I mean, you, oh, guys, severance. you guys are going to laugh on Severance, Dubby. Angel. Ah, Severance. So, yeah, I finally got around to watching Severance. Um, it was very unintimidating at face value because it's only nine episodes. And for the most part, they're like 40-ish minutes, 43, 45. And, yeah, it's still done pretty quick. But, yeah, from the first episode, it's pretty hooked. A lot of intrigue. And, you know, it just kind of keeps building and building until... Yeah, it just kind of gets to, it's, I guess, what is called Resolution, which clearly is asking for a season two, but... It's gang a season yeah, two. Yeah, really enjoyed the show. Really liked um, Adam Scott's performance. Is that his name? Adam Correct. Scott? Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, Adam Scott portraying um, Ben Wyatt after Leslie Nope left him. He's <laughs> he becomes depressed, changes his name, and moves to Under the Town, and... I don't remember when the show came out because I know Jason watched it a while ago and Kevin. About a year and a half? Yeah, no, wait, and... maybe not even. It might have just been about a year ago. I think it came out April of 22. Ah, but yeah, kind of, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm glad I saw it when I did. It's probably when I would have appreciated it the most, but it also would have been nice to have been able to appreciate the Comic-Con experience that Jason went to because oh, that was yeah. like, oh, that would have been cool. It was so cool. Yeah, I'm not trying to brag. It was just like like Apple for their like debut at Comic Con for that for that being their first ever 
stab at doing like a Comic-Con thing, they killed it. it the fact they flew in the set pieces. So like, refresh my memory. Like what did, what what was okay. it again? Yeah. So what they did uh, – well, first of all, that whole day was like Saturday because they also had a panel with the cast and Ben Stiller and, and everyone. Um, for those who don't know, Ben Stiller directs the whole series. Um, yeah, that's probably comedy, like though. the most surprising thing that ever <laughs> yeah. happens in the show. Like every time like it cuts to black <laughs> and you see Ben Stiller's name, it's like, it's oh, yeah. Like, yeah. But but yeah, for for Comic Con, what they did is they took over uh, a series of ballrooms in one of the hotels. I think the Hard Rock across the street from the the convention center, and they basically did the whole experience. Like you worked at Lumen, like you go in, they sever you, so they pretend that you don't know who you are on the outside, and they do like the employee orientation. So you're at the for those who've seen the show, you're at the conference table, and they have you like recite the thing in like a group of like six of you. They have you go meet like the therapist. They have you go in the like that room where um, if you're punished, you're in the room. You have to read the thing. They have you go through base. They have you go to your desk. You sit at your desk. You play the little number matching like task that they do in the show. Uh, they let you like go explore the break room. You can go to the vending machine, like get a snack using a token they give you. They then have a, a waffle party with like a dance party. And they literally like turn on the lights like in the show and it's like a little dance party. And they have like a little story that narrate that weaves this all together as to why you're getting to see all these things. And they go through almost all the plot beats. I would say all but the last episodes covered in some way. Um, but what's really cool about it is they hired a bunch of actors to do everything. So you weren't the one like being punished and reading the screen that's punished. There was someone in there and it made it really uncomfortable because they like there's this person who was like sweating bullets, like trying to read this thing. And you're just like watching like a foot away from them as they're doing it. You're just like, oh, this is going to be weird. And they like go into like the therapist and they're talking to the group of you and like asking you the questions like in the show. And then you and they hired people that look kind of like the actors in the show. So like you go in and the the manager, um, I forgot his name, Milk, 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 Milton, Milton, Milken. Whatever he like, a guy that looks kind of like him is like like same mustache and everything is there and like it's really well done. But what was super cool is as you go through all this, they weren't using like cheap, you know, like we're building an activation for the weekend. Let's just do a pop up event. They flew in the set pieces, like the actual pieces. So like the computer you're working on to do the little number thing is the one from the set. They flew it across the country. The um like the hallways with the white walls from the set the the therapy from the set like all of it was like brought over so that was very cool because you weren't just experiencing it you were like on the a miniature version of the set at least that's how ben stiller kind of described it in the panel that same day because i i was fortunate that i got to do it that morning and then do the panel that afternoon so it was a very severancy day oh and on the way out they give you a little gift that includes the team photo that you you take the team photo like in the show and and you gotta keep that and they give you some other stuff and they give you a whole employee handbook for Lumen, which I have actually seeing downstairs here. Like, it's like 20-something pages. It was very cool. Damn. Well, yeah. that sounds awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the cast was great. I mean, obviously, I already talked about, like, Adam Scott doing well. I'm blanking on the rest of the names, but, you know, um, Irv, I thought was, like, done really well. As well as oh, Dylan John, uh, Tutur, Tutur, him, no, yeah. Torturo. Torturo, yes. Yeah, as well as, like, Kelly, and, you know, like, the twist, like, I, I don't think... I've ever, I don't think I, it's funny because like the, the twists are basically as twisty as they come, but I don't think I was ever like, oh my God, that's this. Um, I feel like it's, even this... though they, even though right. they felt like they definitely warranted that kind of response. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know if I, <laughs> I was just say, I don't know. I was just gonna say, I don't know if you're supposed to go, oh my God, or if it's just kind of the slow build of everything that then leads to how tense that final episode Well, because there's like three that I could think of 
that at least like a feel like they should have wanted at least some kind of like like oh shit, like oh yeah yeah but yeah like like oh like that's uh like I guess that's this person you know a lot of it is basically, oh like, I see what you mean yeah there are some of those yeah of a lot of these people yeah. like you know revelations that that you're led to believe something is going some way but then yeah no, that's fair there's a couple of those yeah that's a good point yeah but I'm surprised I didn't really like audibly gasp at a lot of them I know like my sister did even though she had already seen the show by that point. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, but even then, like, you know, I still, I still the gravity of it. And it. If anything, it just made me go, I guess, the rest of the world, like, ooh, like, where are they going with this? Right. Because, you know, I do want to see where they're going with this, especially with the way, like, the last two episodes ended. They, you know, very smartly, you know, they ended, like, right when you most want to see what happens next and, and then it just ends. Like, it just cuts I'm, to black. I'm going to say something bold about Severance because I love any excuse to talk about Severance. I know I talked about, Kevin, I think, Wait, Kevin, you haven't seen it, have you? I have not seen okay, it. Okay, the first episode. Maybe I'm, I was just gushing to both of you about it when, when I first watched it, but I make a bold claim. Severance is a better Black Mirror than season six of Black Mirror. Sure. Yeah. I go stop you there. Yeah. There's my bold claim. Come at me. You guys know where I live, listeners, in the general Century City area of Los Angeles. But yeah, no, honestly, like Severance, just the tone, the vibe, the aesthetic. I mean, it's basically a premise of that. I mean, if anything, yeah. it kind of came at, I mean, maybe. It's not a coincidence that it came during the whole work from home period where you're supposed to basically banish your Oh, man. Your I, they talked about that at the panel. I'm trying to remember what the answer was, though. They did. Someone asked or someone brought up it fits the work from home thing. I think they started the script prior to COVID. So it might have been coincidence. I'm trying to remember how they answered that. But that was – that exact yeah, thought I mean, was a topic of the panel. Because work-life separation is like an actual thing people do have to deal with. It's not necessarily exclusive to work home. It's just, you know, like some people yeah. – take their work home with them and sometimes like it's like you know you have to make sure you spend time for yourself so but it became i feel much more of a much more of a mental health issue when work from home started because some people's let's say like work desk suddenly also became like where they also relax and just use their computer so it's like turn off one pc and then same monitor is now playing their video games yeah. Or you yeah. don't like, or you get out of bed and like literally like right in front of you is like your workstation. Like, you know, over that time was, that could really mess some people up. Honestly, that was a huge thing when I, cause I, as our longer time listeners know, I, I moved into my apartment during the pandemic, like November of 2020. It's so like peak pandemic. And yeah, that was a huge thing is needing to have a separate room where it could be like work and you can like isolate it to that room. So like we have, we got like a two bedroom specifically. So we have an an office where it's like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to walk out of here now. I have no need to be here anymore because otherwise, yeah, it's, it's tough when you're constantly, your same spaces for everything. I I agree with you. Yeah. 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 And you know, definitely after this, um, definitely going to watch, finish watching Ted Lasso. And I think that's all the Apple shows I felt I needed to watch. Uh, hopefully, you know, it'll let it be ready when it's ready. But obviously now very much anticipating the second season of Severance. Definitely feels like the kind of show that's only going to have two or three seasons. I Oh, for sure. It, yeah. It feels like, and I ideally wouldn't want it to be any more than that. Because it feels like a show that the tighter knit the story is, the better versus, you know... Like, almost kind of like a good place. A good place felt like it was very close to, like, feeling like, oh, it's just kind of going now. But, you know, it 
I, I, I love cut that show. it I just think... at the cusp of it spinning its wheels. I agree. Yeah, like yeah. It, it definitely felt like they exhausted everything, and this one already feels like they're kind of like starting to show or like exhaust a lot of things. Not, I mean, not that anything getting tired yet, but it's like okay, you can't really go from here beyond like, oh, now there's another corporation doing this. Yeah, there has. And, yeah, they have to do world building of like almost like backstory more than anything else at this point. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to bold claim number two I'm going to make. I know Ted Lasso is like the darling of Apple TV. And I, I do like to like season three uh, had some really good episodes and some weaker ones. But overall, I do like Ted Lasso a lot. But yeah, no, Severance is the flagship Apple TV show in my mind. So these both claims are hot takes. Both. Bold hot takes. Piping hot. Piping hot like the uh, earlier today when I was making dinner, I, I managed to splash hot oil on my arm and I have a little burn on my arm. So that's how hot the takes are. As hot as the thing that burned nice. my arm. But yeah, cool. yeah, it's pretty much all I really have to say about Severance. Just, yeah, surprised it was. I, I, I guess, yeah, surprised I, I enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, the drawing I am doing tomorrow is kind of like a, a little tribute to Severance just because I did enjoy it that much. And if you follow me nice. on Twitter, the tweet a few weeks ago of a photo of a keyboard that looks like the one on Severance is courtesy of Kevin, who he gave me an awesome gift of a custom keyboard. And at the same time, hey, Angel, you. you gave me an awesome gift of, like, these anthology books about N64 and GameCube eras that, like, every game, every sales number, every chart. Like, it, yeah, you you guys know me well. But, yes, um, Severance. And thank you for the gifts, guys, was really what I was getting at with that. Thanks. So, with that, let us spin the wheel with only one thing on the wheel. Wait, wait, wait. It's completely done. Oh, no one hey, else said it. it Why did none of us say it with you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Uh, Demon Slayer. The crap. What's the name of this arc? The Swordsmith Village. Or Swordsmith the... Village. Yeah, something like if, that. If uh, if that was the indication of what I thought about the season, I don't know what is the fact that I forgot its name. Uh, Demon Slayer season three, Swordsmith Swordsmith Village arc. Mm-hmm. Eleven episodes long. First episode was an hour long. Last episode was an hour long. Uh, Eleven episodes in total. Uh, Angel, what did you think overall? I enjoyed it. It didn't feel as bombastic as the last season, but I guess there was more, I guess I would say, like, I guess major character progressions or major, like, plot developments outside of, like, you know, uh, let's just kill the next ranked demon. Like, it felt like it was kind of nice getting more backstory into the whole, like, swordsmith stuff. It was kind of interesting seeing more into the character of the guy that is always getting mad at Tanjiro for breaking his swords. And, you know, and obviously the way it ended felt kind of like, oh, things are going to be really moving, maybe. But other than that, yeah, Yeah. and and we were kind of talking about this, um, I think it was in our outing, but yeah, like the setting, at least compared to the last one, and definitely you could tell in just the intro because, damn, like, you know, they're just kind of in the woods. Not that the woods are bad, but like, I don't know, like, even the the main demon, like, the, the fourth rank one, like, besides the scaredy one, like, he didn't feel, like, as big, I guess neither of them alone felt like as big of a threat as the the one from the last season, even though they're Upper both six. higher ranked. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. So something about them, like, I, I guess when, I mean, at least until they combine into, you know, you fight your wooden chimera uh-huh. dragon thing. Like, before that, they just felt kind of, like, just strong, just strong demons. But, I don't know, 
you know, it's, it's a weird, it's, yeah, there's a lot of mixed things about it. It's, I mean, creative designs, but yeah, I mean, like, it was also nice getting some more backstory into Genya because I thought it was just like really angry dude that was just going to be another Bakugo, you know, your angry dude that's basically borderline yeah. evil from My Hero Academia. But then it's like, oh, he he's not that bad of a guy. But no, not at all. Yeah, like I think I kind of liked him by the end. But um, yeah, same thing with the the Mist Hashira. But yeah, I don't but, know. You know like, I, I enjoy, it's like I enjoyed the season, but I I wouldn't say like I loved it. But it did have some moments. I will give it that. It did have some moments that made me go like, it's like oh yeah, this is why I love Demon Slayer. But <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just like some of the emotional stuff with the Mist dude and you know his brother thing and that like that 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 did kind of get to me. But yeah, yeah. What are you, Ken? Um, I. I liked it. This is very easily the weakest season of Demon Slayer, uh, in my opinion. Um, I liked the Hashiras, uh, which was Tokito and Mitsugi or Mitsuru, the the love Hashira. But I think the season was, for me, a death by a thousand cuts, where first the location like couldn't hold a candle to Entertainment District Dark. Um, well, just overall, this entire season had a lot to live up to because the Entertainment District arc was, you know, it was my favorite anime of last year or two years ago. I I, I forgot what uh what uh Quarantini's got best anime for me. Um, but that that season just was pure undistilled hype, like every episode once uh once the action got going, and there was multiple times where the action started in this season, and I was just bored. Um for just just for uh transparency's sake i saw pretty much episodes four through 11 all last night with uh with your brother um jesus yeah i saw them once how many, how many <laughs> hours does that translate to that what we started i think at 11 we ended at three wow okay because to be that last fair, though and maybe this kind of hurts it one thing about i think there was one week where i fell behind and had to watch two episodes back to back i don't know if it's it feels like anime in general is not really a great thing to binge watch. Or you have to make sure you do a lot of manual skipping because Jesus, like, is there a lot of like recapping and basically new content per episode, especially in the That's middle of a fight? I... It's like you have like a slow mo sword attack about to hit someone. Flashback to something that happened earlier. Or... This season, yeah, was was <laughs> yeah maybe it was this season in particular, but I felt like things kept getting halted a lot. Yeah, like, at the, I guess, spoilers for the season of Demon Slayer, but at the final episode where um, Tanjiro goes in for the kill on the upper rank four, literally the split second right before he cuts off his head, we get a flashback into that demon's uh, past. And that was maybe about, like, five, five to, like, seven minutes about this demon that's just going to die that it's not like with the Entertainment District Arc when, when they took out uh, Gyaltoro and Daki, where these characters you felt, these villains you felt sympathetic for um, as they were dying. Here, Tanjiro just straight up, I think he's, I think the line is, you will pay for your sins with your life. So at that point, I don't know why I have to see a a background on this character that I do not like. We didn't even get one for the other dude. For the yeah, and then upper rank five didn't even get a backstory and he was dispatched pretty easily i think the biggest sin of this season is just that the the villains weren't intimidating the way that upper rank six was um yeah and then yeah 
And then, like, just the final battle in general, Mitsuru kind of did nothing to love Hashira. She kind of was just a distraction. And, yeah, it just, it's very much a big step down from, you know, the Entertainment District arc, which was just this bombastic, just visual masterpiece of a season. Um, I, like, I do like what the sh- what the season did set up, especially with uh, Nezuko, and especially with Genya. Like Genya got like a really really good backstory. That he got a, like a lot of character growth, and it kind of sucks that we just don't see that from Tanjiro. I don't know if Tanjiro has grown as a character across all these three seasons. Yeah, he's huh. Good point. He's still the same kind of person. I guess he's just gotten a little angrier. <laughs> That's about it. Right. All I could think of. And I. F- that that moment in the last episode where where uh, Nezuko kicks him away so that he could save um, those those three random uh, swordsmiths, uh, I feel like it was is a great moment for Nezuko. It showed some development for her, but I kind of almost wanted uh, Tanjiro to go back for her and you know possibly let those swordsmiths get killed, and then that would at least provide some inner some more inner conflict and provide some development for the future. But nope, he, uh, he got to win at the end by, you know, saving the swordsmith and nothing happened to Nezuko, which we still don't know exactly why she survived being in the sun. I'm sure this show will pull off some BS. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I thought Sandra with injured leg would play more. Do you think it kind of did, but kind of not really? It's like, you know, at first I was like, Oh, okay. He's going to use thunder breathing to, circumvent having his broken leg but then uh-huh. it felt like half the time when he was running i was like i feel like you shouldn't be running but i guess yeah no, that, that, that was a little weird but yeah i i thought the i thought the cg the season was okay like i didn't I, I was never mad at it the way that a lot of people on the internet apparently were did that take you back uh, it, it i feel like it stood out more for sure i think it was fine for me with the dragons um the fish monsters were mainly the especially the little ones that kind of made me feel like huh but i would say yeah but i wouldn't say it bothered me but yeah they i guess it stood out uh-huh. for sure but yeah this uh this season was so enjoyable yeah definitely the weakest season i think the next arc which they announced the uh hashira training arc apparently is is very low on people's ranking of tiers uh ranking of arcs and so hmm. After this one, I can only imagine how that one will go. But the arc right after that, which is, I think, the second to last arc, is what people consider the best arc of this series. And like, I I know the setting where that one takes place, and it just that season I can't wait for. That that season is gonna be really really cool. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get that season two years after this this next one that we're gonna see. Just Gee, something about think that, they, that they're gonna have to end. Hiatus of sorts, like Attack on Titan. Yeah, probably like a two-year hiatus. I wouldn't be surprised. Damn. Well, you know, if it means quality, then that's fine. I don't. I'm sure. Yeah, I'll the, the show it has always been quality. Point. Yeah, but, I, I do think that watch for me watching this, binging this was a actually made it better because I couldn't imagine going through those flashbacks and the episodes where almost like nothing happens would probably kill me. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird. It's like a double-edged sword. Um, funny. yeah, but because you know, on one hand. I feel like sometimes so much happens during the week that I kind of need the recaps just to kind of remind myself what was going on. So sometimes those recaps are appreciated. But, yeah. But, something, yeah, but I guess when I'm binging it, yeah, they do just feel annoying. So it's kind of like I don't want them. Like, give me less of them, but at the same time, 
I do sometimes find value in them, but uh-huh. yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. I mean, if the fight was going, re- if the fight was really, really, really interesting, then they probably would have annoyed me more. But you know, oh, I know they would have annoyed me less, no more. Yeah, more because I wouldn't want the fight to get interrupted. Uh-huh. But since the fights were, you know, very shot. Yeah, it, it they definitely got kind of annoying, even if I did need that recap. But yeah, Demon Slayer. I guess just to kind of throw it's... in, just to throw in um my hero in there like super quick. Did finally catch up to it after, I guess, starting it when we did our first episode of the. Oh, back spring? in uh, December or whatever. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, yeah. separate. Yeah, and you know, it had some highs. Then it had like a little slow period, and then towards the end, like it just got me hooked again, and it made me just really like Deku again. Because I mean, I'm I'm. Typically, like a the protagonist usually ends up being my favorite right. character. Like Tanjiro, I would say is my favorite character, and this one definitely reminded me why Deku was my favorite character. Except that almost like Deku more than Tanjiro now. He almost felt like he has more. He feels a little. Well, more he has he has character development. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you he, know, mm-hmm. like not only is he a, like a kind boy, but he actually goes through some stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like Tanjiro needs more trauma than just the fact that you know. His, I mean, it sounds horrible to say or kind of weird to say. It's like, you know, he obviously lost his whole family in one night. But that's kind it's of, almost like he hasn't but, processed it. But that's all he's gone through. And it seems like that's still yeah. the only thing really bothering him. But like Deku is going through stuff all the time because he's, you know, really embodying like, you know, he's not just a kind person, but he's like trying to live his life that way. But he's always been confronted with things that make that hard. But Did, um, did that episode... Of Deku versus his classmates, did that get you emotional? Um, actually, I did a little bit. Yeah, I think towards the end, you know, some of those kind words were like, "Oh, like, yeah." I, I damn, I remember I shed a tear. I might have gotten watery eyed, but the it was pretty. The cool. part that almost broke me was um, where who was it? It was crap. I it's been so long. I already forgot their names. Well, ba- it was Bakugo. Oh yeah, uh, damn it. Half hot, half ice. What was his name? I heard you forgot. Uh, key. Damn. Oh wow. Uh, half hot, I, half cold. I wish I knew. I used to know his name. He's a big character. Oh, Todoroki. Todoroki. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. And they they just launch up a, a huge ramp. Yeah. And that then was Todoroki cool. falls, and then you know you have that that inside talk that Bakugo has. Like, I still have stuff to say to you. And it's revealed that all this time they had a uh, Ida with them. Yeah, uh, I think that part almost like broke me. Which yeah, it was, which it was like slowly revealed that that Ida was in there, and like how Ida sort of, sort of like is always like looking up to Deku and wants to catch up to him because not since season two have we really had any yeah the whole any, uh, Ida stuff. Yeah, so yeah. Actually, that, no. Yeah, I think that, that part was really close to closing me. Yeah. The- no, yeah, you're right. That 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 with like Bakugo's like apology slash like confession, like that actually did get to me. I do remember that part actually making me like, like damn, like this was, yeah. this was really good. I was like, damn, like I freaking love the show now. Or yeah, it it, it kind of it, like it brought me full on back because yeah, yeah, there like, was that there was that point where I, I kind of remember feeling like of many watching it because I never disliked it, but it was just kind of like like oh, it, it just felt like. And like we take junk food, like like I, I'm enjoying it just enough to keep going, but I'm not really super hooked. But I feel like 
a lot of stuff in this last season. It was it was definitely called, it was definitely spinning its wheels a little bit with season uh season four and five. I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely how I felt like. It just felt like like yeah, it's some cost status. It brought it brought it back to to like great status in my opinion that yeah. that season. And I can't wait for what happens next. You said there's just like two more arcs, one more arc, just the final war. Yeah, there's there's two more arcs. I like there's enough content in the manga curly to supply like two more seasons. Damn. Well, yeah, and, and it's it's wild the stuff that's going on right now in the manga because I keep up keep up with it. Um, well, I'm sure just we'll see nothing, something. but nothing but but like fights and fights and they keep getting bigger and bigger in scale. I'm sure I'll see something about it at an Anime Expo in two weeks. Yeah. You'll see um, DJ Diesel. Yeah. yeah. If, if, like, you would have told me earlier this season that I would have liked the new season of My Hero versus the new season of uh, <laughs> Demon, Slayer. Demon Slayer, I would have been like, you're out of your mind. But it is what it is. Yeah. We'll see We'll see how the next anime season goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I have nothing left to spin on the wheel, Jason, if uh, you want to take us out. Sure. Um... Thanks for playing. Spin that wheel, everybody. Uh, yeah, that does it for this episode. As I mentioned halfway through the episode, if you're still here listening but you somehow missed it there, we are doing a giveaway on our Twitter account, at Ram Nintendo, which is also a great place to make sure you don't miss our future episodes. But we are giving away a digital copy of the Super Mario Brothers movie. So for your chance to win, keep an eye out for a special tweet. Make sure to follow so you don't miss that tweet. And then all you got to do is retweet the tweet. Simple enough. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that in the near future. Otherwise, in terms of housekeeping, the only thing I'd love to say is make sure to follow or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app of choice so you don't miss any episodes. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora. We're also on YouTube, at Random Nintendo. And, again, that's also our Twitter handle, at Random Nintendo. Speaking of Twitter, individually, you can find us on Twitter. I am JSR7. Kevin is KVN Gomi. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore, but he doesn't use it as much as he does his World of Wero, no underscore O, on um, – actually, Angel, is it World of Wero or Wero's plural? It's plural, isn't it? Plural. Okay. So I misspelled the whole thing. W-O-R-L-D-O-V-W-E-I-R-O-S. And that's where you can see his thoughts through art as he draws them now. And that does it. Yeah, like I mentioned, tomorrow oh, will be a severance. This is how does one. it this episode has become. My AirPod died while we were while I was saying the goodbyes. So I'm gonna mute myself. And Kevin, you got final word. Oh crap! I don't. Uh, I get my surgery done this week, so hopefully I don't sell congested in future pods. Later. <laughs> <laughs>